Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Breakfast on SEM. And a big welcome along, one and all SEM Breakfast. Great to have your company on this 24th day of January in the McCafe menu. Of course, they remain. They will always be our official coffee partner. Johnny Millman's going to join us, recently retired, now Channel 9 tennis expert. Stewie McSwain, Australian middle distance star, is going to jump on the blower as well later on in the show. Brett Phillips with an Australian Open update, I'm sure as comprehensive as always from BP. Did they dodge a bullet last night with the scheduling? Perhaps so. Questions without notice. Great pleasure to be here alongside my old mate, He's Kane back. Corns. Kano. He is back. Oh. Gee whiz, you must have some war stories for us. Mate, never. Because one minute you were cruising through the Adelaide Hills at a record-setting pace on your push bike. Next minute, you're on your deathbed. Never. And I I must apologise to you because I'm there at Adelaide Airport. The flight had been delayed several hours, mind you. So I'd had pages of notes ready for Monday. I'm watching the demon kicking back with a few of my mates. And yeah, we'd been over there for Tour Down Under and that was awesome. Within the space of 45 minutes, I went from feeling cherry ripe, I was bemoaning the fact the flight was delayed and I was going to have about four hours sleep, to barely being able to sit up straight. And right. uh, I had. When did you know you were in trouble? I'd had a Palmer and it couldn't have been, or Palmy. They looked at me funny when I said Palmer. That's a whole other story with Canvas many times. Um, <laughs> but it couldn't have been that. And, and just a, a, an ale just to wash it down. And, at the uh, airport? At the airport. And within about 45 minutes of that meal, now, as I say, it couldn't have been that meal, but we're using time as a guide. Within 45 minutes, I thought, oh, something's not right here. started with a bit of a cramp, mm. a bit of a headache. Oh, this isn't, mm. isn't good. And then I thought, oh, I'm, I'm in real trouble here. And the flight was about half an hour from boarding. I thought, I might have to go and do a, you know, the kids listening this morning will, will know this, a tactical spew. So uh, I've departed. And uh, I don't know how much detail is really relevant here or how much you nah. want to know, other than to say I was very, very sick. And it was upon so what my... what was the flight like? Well, tell oh, me about the flight. Gruesome. But nightmare. before we get to the flight, I thought I need to time this right because if there's a worse place to get gastro than a plane, I don't know what it is. I don't oh. want it on there. So I'm, I'm hunched over and, and hustling to the toilet for the final time in the terminal. And this big guy's coming from the right just as we, we get to the toilet. I thought, gee, there's a big guy. And I've looked, I just sort of looked up at him. I thought, that looks like Cam Green. Can't be Cam Green. I'm delirious. Sort of put my head down again and he's come in front of me. And, he, and sure enough, I see the Australian backpack and his accreditation hanging out, Cam Green. As we go to the toilet together, I'm thinking, if I give him gastro, <laughs> I can't. Please don't give Please. Cam Green gastro. Kane will never forgive me. He or maybe he will. He can get. <laughs> exactly. He'll need gastro as well. Thankfully, he went to the urinal. I went to the 
obviously the other yeah. facility. Uh, but uh, no, on the on the plane, Kane, never, never. If anyone's had gastro on a plane, you have my all my sympathies because it was the flight from hell. How did you survive that? I, I barely did. They had to. Um, did they oh. did the staff know? Did not the, not until the end. Now I'd made a know? few. I got about halfway through the flight, and I was in agony the whole time. But I got about halfway through the flight before I realised I just can't hold it anymore. Now thankfully I was seated towards the rear, and being a late flight, I think most people were just asleep, yeah. and the the lavatory was empty. So I've bolted, you know, a couple of visits. In, in the end, I thought if I time it right, I won't have to. I'll get to the terminal in Melbourne, but no. The seatbelt sign comes on. We're about two minutes away from landing. I'm not going to get there. Trouble. So I've run to the – and they're harnessed in by this point, the stewards. And they're like, mate, you can't come in here. I said, I'm coming in. You're opening it up. So they've had to – They've had to. it's locked. So they've had to get the special skeleton key out and unlock the – And then there's a banging on the door. Sir, we're, we're, we're going to land the plane. You have to come out. I said, no, nah, not happening. No. You- you have to come out. We're trying to land the plane. I said, no, it's not you happening. You sat on the toilet for the landing. Because, Kane, you don't appreciate it. I, I, do, <laughs> I do appreciate it, but I've never heard anything Well, like I tried. In the end, they're saying, we will open the door because the pilot won't be able to land unless you come out. I'm thinking, oh, no. They said, we've got a bag. And then I'm thinking, well, I have to sit next to some poor sap. Uh, I don't want him to, you know. And they said, there's a spare seat by the toilet here. Out you come. So I've come out. Oh, God, it was horrific. Anyways, first off, hustling across the runway. By this point, I'm freezing, mind you. I'm shivering yeah. like a leaf. Uh, got me across the runway, into the terminal, straight back into the to- – anyway, the old mate in the Uber, how his upholstery survived, on, I'll never know. But uh, So you've infected a whole flight from Adelaide to Melbourne with gastro, the poor Uber <laughs> driver. And when did you decide to send the message that you weren't coming in? No, that was that was after my tactical at uh, yeah. at the airport. Yeah. Okay, yeah, All I was right. still at the airport at that stage because um, I didn't receive the message. No, you were probably tucked up in bed. That's when <laughs> all smart people on my way to oh. work. It put uh, uh, it put a sour end to an otherwise awesome trip. But I uh, loved Adelaide, loved the city, had a great time. They do turn it on for tour down under, and the weather was great. Went to a beautiful town, Strathalbyn. You would have been yeah, there. Nice. What a beautiful town yeah. that is out there in the. So you enjoyed yourself. Had a great time. Yeah, right until the end. I never had anything like it, so I apologise. No, there's nothing you can do. 40 minutes. Obviously pick something up off a surface or I'm not sure. But I mean, locked up in the spare room at home. Yeah, I feel good now. I've lost. I'm at Raceweight, I can assure you. (laughs) I'm as thin as I've been for years at the moment. But anyway, oh boy, oh. yeah, uh, coming off the text tour down Chunda. But the, yeah. the, the least amount of detail we probably give in, I've probably already tipped oh, over into that part of it uh, too much. Anyway, so uh, I apologise for leaving you in the lurch, but I heard uh, Derm on briefly yesterday. So uh, no, thanks to Derm for stepping Derm in. magnificent. Uh, told some great stories. You start for the tennis last night. I mean, it didn't finish until one twenty-five, As you said, they dodged an oh. absolute bullet last night. The scheduling, when Novak came on late... I thought they were in awful trouble. And when the first set went for longest set of the tournament, wasn't it? An hour and whatever yeah. it was. I thought they were in huge trouble. Sinner and Rublev are going to be pitting off at four. So I want to speak about this after seven o'clock. But uh, what a nightmare it is for the Australian Open, albeit it could have could have been worse. If the Sabalenka match had have gone longer, she cruised through pretty comfortably in 71 minutes. 
and the Sinner and Rublev match only went for two hours and 39 minutes. It still finished at 1.25 a.m. Mm. They had Legends doubles at 12, meaning the Coco Golf match started during the day later, and that was an absolute epic. Their first set uh, went to a tiebreak and went forever. So it meant the Novak was on late. You mentioned his first uh, game of the first uh, set went for forever. And then the night session was delayed by two hours and it didn't finish until one twenty-five a.m. But it, yeah. they could be just finishing now. I well, mean, they were you... lucky, really lucky Sabalenka oh, made light work of her it. match. That was a one ten uh, a.m. finish in the end for, for Sina Rublev. Could have been a heck of a lot worse. Uh, we've we've had threes. We've had four a.m.s over the journey. So you've got that on your agenda. I know you've got Glenn Maxwell on as well. He had his own issues in Adelaide. Thankfully, I wasn't hospitalised. Adelaide sorted a few people out. Claimed a few victims, Adelaide. It was warm over there, by the way. But um, no, he had a different issue to me. Uh, his was, uh, it would appear, largely self-inflicted. There's probably still a few details missing. But I guess the issue that we've all got observing it is, Kane, is that these things are starting to add up now, which I know you want to address later on. Yeah. No, it just things happen to Glenn Maxwell that shouldn't really be happening to adults, particularly 35-year-old elite yeah. athletes. And there's enough of them now. You go, Something's just not quite right uh, with Glenn Maxwell. We'll speak about that after 7 o'clock. And I woke up to the news this morning about Stevie J involved in a... Yes. Life-threatening incident. Got that in our news rundown later on. Yeah. Uh, story by Jay Clark in the in the Herald Sun. He was hospitalised up in Wangaratta last night. He'd uh, a knife th through his stomach, through a bag that he was carrying while he was trying to open a gate to his property and mm. um, suffered some damage to his bladder and internal organs and said to be a life-threatening situation that uh, thankfully he's going to have a happy ending by virtue of a, a neighbour who is a nurse up there in the northeast of Victoria. So... Boy, oh boy, horrible luck, but then also um, in the right place at the right time, given the assistance that would appear Steve Johnson, the Geelong great has received and he's going to be okay. But uh, that's a terrible turn of events up there, Kane. So, yeah, a few people have done themselves a mischief. Yeah, I, I couldn't believe that when I saw that. So it sounds like one of those bizarre sort of freak accidents and you're right, it was lucky that there was a nurse there. So thoughts with Stevie J who had surgery is set to make a full recovery, which is the good news, but it could have been hmm. nasty, a lot of blood loss and um, felt like he had some good help around him. So, yeah, there's some uh, some war stories happening here this morning. Tom in Geelong, usually it's the other way around and people are throwing up on the way to Adelaide just at the <laughs> thought of having to go there. Tom, I couldn't disagree with you more. Kane's part of the world is magnificent. Uh, we had an awesome time. Uh, Tell me was, about it. Wollonga was, was Oh Well, the, one of the lights was coming back from Wollonga. How hot was it on the Saturday? Mm. And we had to ride back there. That was, gee, that was a Strathalbyn was beautiful. Had, had some nice meals in town. Fugazi, have you ever been there in Adelaide? Yep. Beautiful little Italian place. Uh, 2KW, which I think is a nice uh, rooftop right, bar. That's just right yeah. there, 2KW. I, I walked past. <laughs> the opposite of where I'm sitting right now. I walked past the studio there. Oh, I thought, no, you? blinkers yeah. on, not looking at that. Not looking <laughs> at that. Uh, but no, East End Cellars, nice spot as well. Yeah, we had a we had a good time, mate. It was, yeah. it was and really the racing good. was good? Racing was good. Yeah, not, not the most high profile of winners. And unfortunately, Luke Plapp, who we might have on the show later on this week, Triple Australian Road Champion crashed out with one of the worst. Speaking of people doing themselves a mischief in Adelaide, you've never seen a man take more skin off his oh, back. I did see that. It was the front page of the paper. Yeah, that was yeah. horrific. A high-speed crash from him, and it does claim a few victims. The racing's intense. First race of the year. Everyone's pretty nervous, and uh, often at high speeds, uh, coming off places like the Gorge Road and, and whatnot outside Adelaide. So thoughts with him, because he did himself um, yeah, some serious damage. But I've got a recommendation for you, because I know you like them. While I was Good. laid up at home, I saw a movie... 
2016 this came out, so I'm slow to the party. I missed it, but it is an absolute cracker. I think it's just dropped on Netflix. Many people would have seen it, but it's called Hell or High Water. Have you seen that? A pair of farmers turned bank robbers? No, I saw it come up on Netflix, and I was like, what is this new movie? Because you never know, especially the old ones, are they any good or are they just duds who have now dropped? But I did a bit of research, good ratings, might have won an award or two. Put it on your list. It's a cracker. West Texas, great scenery, a brooding sort of a show. Jeff Bridges, as the crusty old copper, is immense. He's an awesome character. Great soundtrack. Put it on your hit list. I was really pleasantly surprised. I'm glad because I read the the blurb, if that's what they call it for a movie. I don't think that's what they call it. It's more of a book. But um, I thought, yeah, that that sounds a bit bit of bank robbery stuff happening. Yeah. Anything else? You know, well worn, well worn script, but. Awesome, awesome movie. And I did see something from you over the way. I know you've addressed this many times, but it's funny the things that pop up on your Instagram. And you you responded to this one as well. The old most disrespectful celebration popped up. You giving the big fat birds of Collingwood back in the day. The most, it is the most disrespectful celebration Why did that pop up? It was the... One of the worst moments of my football career. Um, so it was Brody Holland, my career. Brody Holland was, yeah. came after you. Brody Holland, well, he was the one that I was responding to. He's been giving it to me all day. Like, as a young player and not sort of familiar with the trash talk on field. All day he was at me. He's talking about my old man and all this, and just getting, getting stuck into me. And then after the game, that was the emotion that came out after, I think, big Anthony Rocker missed a a goal late and, and we won a Friday night game in Adelaide. We wore this horrible green strip because surprise, surprise, Collingwood didn't have a clash strip and, and wouldn't wear another Guernsey. So we were forced to at home wear that. And then luckily there wasn't quite the media coverage that there was back then. But oh. It was a Friday night game. So a couple of the Sunday, I think the Sunday footy show replayed it. And then on the Monday, Mark Williams made me get up and apologised to the whole team. He said, what would have happened if you'd given away a free kick and then they had a shot for goal from the top of the goal square? I stressed all weekend. I was like, in all sorts, over a little... And didn't get any sanction from the AFL or anything, but uh, yeah, once again, I... I apologise for my actions. It was extraordinary. It's funny now, though. It's, oh, it I is think it's funny, funny now. What, what now. made me chuckle was I was yeah. over there in Adelaide and it's randomly popped up <laughs> in my feed and your emoji, you're like, well, I don't know, sort of emoji. And what I'm thinking, what would a current day Cane Corns oh. say about that now in 2024? No, like, that's what's happened because oh. people have people have done TikTok videos of me saying right. um, about Jack Ginneman after the game. No, just be humble and, and have some respect and, right. and earn, earn the respect. <laughs> Sorry, and they've, yep. they've stitched that audio of, of me saying that into the video of me giving oh. the finger. But, yeah, just because you haven't made errors before doesn't mean you can't have an opinion on, on current day events. And, and as I've said, that was a, a big regret of mine. So um, <laughs> it's funny to look back on now, oh, but no. I can tell you a young Kane Corns was just stressing all weekend. Oh, what have I done here? This is the dumbest thing I've ever done. Oh, the emotion of the game, isn't it? Yeah, this that's is, it. This is what happens to players. Yeah, you get Hello. caught up in it, which you can understand sometimes. Hey, uh, before we get to the break, GWS, they've always, and I think you've spoken about this man when uh, fabulous Phil Davis was was filling in for me. The social and content leader of the Giants is a guy by the name of Jacob Gaynor. And in fact, upon further research, he is last year's staff member of the year at GWS as he was named officially. Was he? And I can see but why. As voted by well, the other Giants uh, by, staff. By management. 
right. because uh, he's delivered another absolute cracker. <laughs> and he's not scared to wade into deep water and, and take the players with him. Um, what can only be described as a cheeky response. Many people would have seen this. The Giants retweeted Collingwood's video of, you know, Jeremy Howe and the indoor facility that I know you spoke about yep. yesterday with Matisse uh, Leatherbarrow, who is uh, a GWS netballer, and their AFLW, uh, AFL midfielder, of course, Finn Callahan, their young gun, both giving the thumbs up with the <laughs> caption, looks good to Collingwood's tweet, <laughs> which was a real crack at the, at the pies. I thought it was brilliant from the Giants. <laughs> It was brilliant, and he's now building his own profile. So I'm, I want to get him on. Yeah, but I don't so think I've, they're going to let him on, are I've they? asked. Well, he's starting to show a bit more of his personality on his own who, social media. Who was the guy um, who used to do the dogs uh, banner back in the day? He's an, Danny McGinley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course he does. Danny, who who created a real cult following for his clever and pointed uh, sayings on the on the dogs banners. Well, old Jacob's creating a real wave. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to get him on. Uh, the, the Pies fans weren't happy with it, but I mean it's good. And now there's everyone else stepping it up as well. I think one of the good yep. advancements has been the quality content that each club is delivering. The Giants clearly leading the way. So we've got a versatile McCafe menu today. We're going to talk some footy, of course. We're going to talk some cricket. Kane's a bit fired up about Glenn Maxwell. One other thing I want to talk about is the comments made by Dana White, the UFC boss, yes. on free speech, which is interesting timing, giving all our thoughts about Australia Day and whether Cricket Australia should celebrate it or not. When should we have it? What should we call it? It's a very polarising topic. And speaking of deep water, that certainly is that. Well, this interests me because Warren Trojo, a former teammate of mine, yes. weighed in on this as well on, on social media. And yeah, it's a it's a tough balance for Warren. Of course, he's trying to get on the board at the moment. That vote is is coming up. Essentially, it's going to be between him and Bruce Abernathy, and he's all for free speech. And we've seen uh, his stances on a few things in, in recent years. I wonder if that will get him into a tricky situation. So I want to discuss that as well. After sounds good in theory, in yeah. practice, I reckon yeah. far more bit, difficult bit to harder. navigate. Yeah, plenty of tennis around. John Millman, of course, uh, we mentioned Brett Phillips as well. Stuart McSwain. A man that Kane knows very well. Certainly his feats as an Australian runner, a middle distance star, is all ahead of us. I've got plenty of questions that notice built up over a back catalogue of days. SEM Breakfast powered by Kubota for more than 40 years have been making tomorrow matter, shaping and building Australia together. And don't miss your last chance to become a trailblazer. Have your name on the first ever Mavs game day dress. You become a member today and head on over to melbournemavericks.com. Back with more SEM Brecky right after this. Breakfast on SEN. And just a reminder as well, the Toyota Caller of the Year is back and it starts next Monday. It's your chance, of course, to win a 2024 Toyota Hilux GR Sport. And it's all thanks to Toyota. There's Toyota Hilux stock available now. Contact your local Toyota dealer today. And if you're thinking it's too early, Kane, to throw your hat in the ring for the Caller of the Year, it's not because it turned out that last year's winner was the first Caller of the Year. Right? So it doesn't matter when you're nominated. You go into the draw and you get pulled out. So Monday, we're on. That's where we're game on. You could win the, you could secure your car there. Who knows? Amazing. Magnificent. I've got a um, 2010 Toyota Hilux. It was um, Lucy's brother who passed away. And so uh, we, we've got the car and I, it's, they're the best. They're bulletproof. The, aren't they? Oh, that, absolutely. So if you can win a brand new one, GR Sport, if you don't mind, 
Uh, it, honestly, they last forever, and and mine is going going very strong. So great cars, and of course Toyota have mm. Toyota Hilux stock in store right now. Couldn't agree any more with you off the text. Adelaide is sensational, quiet, clean, stunning. Glenelg is top shelf, far far better than this cooked dump that is Victoria. <laughs> and yes, I'm Victorian. Says AG and Bendigo. I'm not sure where you are, Kane, but we had a nice ride from Glenelg down to Brighton on. Uh, just, Sunday morning, right? Yeah, it was just a little bit, little bit further to Seacliff, so a, a yep. couple of k's from Brighton. Yeah, beautiful you spot down there on the water. Stop, stopping by. You didn't, didn't see me running with my shirt off, did you? Oh, plenty of people were. Yeah. I was keeping an eye for plenty. How's the what's rigs your, getting around what's on your the rules? water? You got, you got some dumb rule with Gary that you're not allowed to run with your shirt off unless it's 45 <laughs> degrees. Well, no. Didn't you, didn't you decide that? If I seen, if I had seen you, I would have given you the thumbs up and the tick of approval because it was warm, as I say, and it's always warm in Adelaide. A beautiful down there on the water, though. Magnificent. Yeah. You're going to mention fight night or not? Yep, I, can't I, believe we've, I can't believe we've gone. I just 20, wanted to keep you on the edge of your seat. Eight minutes. One other thing I'll say. You're night. fighting your <laughs> Sunday footy show co host, Nathan Brown, on Gather Round Eve. Is it April 3? What uh, it's are the you Wednesday. thinking? It's the Wednesday, whatever day. I think that it's is. April the 3rd. How did you get roped into this? Oh, and why? Well, through a lot of persistence from a couple of people. Uh, said no probably 10 times. Because it's been, we've talked about this before. It's been bubbling. Uh, yeah, got you there, over there the was line? one a couple of years ago that I said no to, 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 to fight Nathan Brown. And then this one came about and I said, oh, I appreciate it. And a bit of fun and, and good challenge, but no, I'm, I'm okay. And they just kept coming back and back and back. And eventually I thought, you know what? It's a good challenge. Like I've done a, few things physically I cannot box like I've I've never put boxing gloves on hardly in my life other than when Mark Williams used to make us punch the lights out of each other after we had a bad loss on a Monday morning so I've got no idea what I'm doing so I thought you know what this is a good challenge um I'll probably get it handed to me but I think I'm up for it. I reckon you're foxing because I've already seen you on the bag and I don't know how much now listen I don't know how much training Nathan Brown does but I don't have much you do. So I'm tipping all you have to do is just go the distance well, and he'll like, just fall over. Well, I've, I've got the, the only advantage I've got is the engine. So, I mean, boxing, as, as we've spoken about a couple of times, those sports that are sneaky hard, like really hard. Boxing is definitely in that category. It's way harder than running or any other physical activity like mm. that. So, look, it's a good challenge. Uh, I don't know what I'm doing. It's a bit of fun. Uh, Gather Round was enormous last year. I think it's going to be even bigger. So I think there's a press conference today in Melbourne. There's a, I'll send you the press release. Dane Swan's fronting the press. Swanee uh, is today. fighting his old teammate, Daisy Thomas. Swanee's in. Anthony Rocker is fighting Corey McKernan. Mitch Robinson's <laughs> fighting Kane Pettifer. <laughs> so it's a big card. But I want yeah. to know, have the texts already started between you and Brownie? Surely they nah, have. There was one group text that went on the Sunday footy shoot group that we've got. <laughs> and Lloydy just sent a screenshot of me boxing and said, geez, are you scared, Brownie? <laughs> <laughs> but can Brownie go in the ring? I think he goes okay. I actually think he's been training for a long period of time. I think right. he's got Harry Garside in his corner. So I reckon he's going to go for a first round knockout and you've just got to go the distance. Oh, I've just got to dodge the big haymakers. I and, did. Uh, I did see TJ Chompers last night on the news when Tom Morris was reporting this bout. And he smirk, said, is he? it possible for a double knockout? <laughs> <laughs> Chompers. <laughs> Which I did laugh out loud at. He's, fr- he's frothing over it. <laughs> TJ, can, can you imagine the content 
they're oh. going to get, we are going to get on about Sunday five Sundays show. will get generated oh. out of this fight. Well, and forever because they'll have the footage of the fight and no doubt. Well, this I, is pressure. I will make myself look like a fool and they'll be able to use that for, for years to come. But anyway, it's what you do. And it's you're going to find it's a good challenge. Your first point of order is to come up with an intro song as well. You need a fight song. So put some <laughs> thought into that as well. What should well, Kane. Oh, yeah. yeah. Ask the question. 0433 98 11 16. What should Kane enter the ring to? And it's important because it sets the tone, it sets the mood. It's your anthem, Kane. Yeah. I, I, of, with the uh, dressing gown on, with the hood over. That's it. The lights are out. I'm going here for comes, the lights off, though, just a spotlight, dark, moody. Here comes the volcano something. to a whole heap of booze. It is going to heat, heat, heat. Yeah. <laughs> Not that. Not that. But a bit of lava. Yeah. Something with the volcano. The 40 Wings Tempers, 0433981116. They've got the all-new Temper Pro. It's the most adaptive mattress ever. And it's right here. Temper, a mattress like no other. 6.30 News is upon us. We're off to grab him a cafe coffee. Big thanks to Nathan in the newsroom. Before we get to the sports update, and there is plenty to get to as well, Mixing Clyde North, he's joined us uh, on the open line. Morning to you there, Mick. Morning, boys. Yeah, got a song for Kane. Go with Thunderstruck. You'll be right. Oh, an oldie but a goodie. Nothing wrong with a bit of Akadaka. Good suggestion, Mick. Yeah. You can't go wrong with that, can you? But It's safe. I just don't know if I can back it up. It's like, safe, I feel too. like if you go with that... <laughs> You got to be pretty confident in your own ability. What about your club's anthem? And I'm definitely not. Um, Never tear us apart. apart. <laughs> I was discussing that the other day. Was it with you about um, whether it's time to move on from that? And my kids are an absolute no. That's the best thing about going to the footy. So they're they're all in. But no, nah, I can't do that. I've I've got one. I, I I gave the guys about thirty seconds notice to try and find it. But oh. there's a Billie Eilish song that I really like. Really. It's yeah. not something I would have thought it's you'd not, go with. I know, but it's it's a good song. We'll okay. get that for you. We'll get that for you shortly. Just before we get to the news up, update, mm. we heard from Nate there uh, in the news speak about the Oscar nominations. Uh, the, the Oscars have definitely lost some buzz and some glow, haven't they? So yep. if I read out the nominees for Best Picture, I want you to tell me if you've seen these movies. Have you seen American Fiction? No. Anatomy of a Fall? No. Barbie? Yes. You've seen Barbie? Yeah, my, my wife made me watch it. and it was How horrific. many stars? One. No, it wasn't my sort of go. No, actually, I didn't mind it. I think I liked it more than more <laughs> Hang than on. You've gone from wasn't your sort no. of go, one star, and then I didn't mind it. Which well, is it? I think you can watch a movie knowing that it's not your sort of movie, and it certainly still, wasn't, but appreciate what appreciate it's trying it, to achieve. So it gotcha. was okay for me. The Holdovers? No. Killers of the Flower Moon? Yes. Maestro? No. Oppenheimer? I've... Trying to get to that. I'm the wrong person to well, ask. I don't get to watch many movies. Past Lives. No. Poor Things. A lot of these movies I've never heard of. And The Zone. Well, that's my point. You've seen, of all the nominees, you've seen two, I think. Yeah, two. And you want to see. I, I wouldn't be an accurate guide, to be honest. But, 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 yeah. but I think back in the day, like this was this was huge. The Oscars were the, the thing. Um, so anyway, how, how many of those movies have you seen? 04 double three ninety eight eleven sixteen, And which is the best of them? Which is going to win? I'm assuming Oppenheimer's going to win. I haven't seen it. Uh, it gives Port Adelaide nightmares, Oppenheimer. 
after they used that theme for the finals and they went out in straight sets and the coach yes. hasn't seen it, I think. No, and probably... It wasn't, wasn't a great theme. Hopefully that doesn't get up <laughs> for Kenny's sake. Uh, a lot of nominations for Cade's fight songs uh, are coming through just while the boys get up, uh, the one that he really wants to roll with. Uh, our sports update, Travis Head expected to play in the second test against the Windies. It's starting tomorrow at the Gabba. Uh, Travis Head obviously testing positive for COVID last week, unfortunately, but Pat Cummins yesterday, the captain saying he's close to negative, whatever that means, and they will have social distancing <laughs> measures in place if he's still unwell. And obviously, if he is still positive, he will be able to play. So I hope that. he does play because he's the only batsman that has a crack. He's, he's the only watching. exciting batsman we've got. He's amazing he? in that first the rest test. Of the rest of the boring. Uh, anyway, uh, Usman Khawaja <laughs> has been passed fit to play as well after being struck in the head on the final day when he was uh, retired hurt in the first test yep. in Adelaide last week. And as we discussed earlier, champion Geelong forward Steve Johnson has escaped a life-threatening wound to his stomach. A freak accident it was involving a sharp knife. He was rushed to the Wangaratta Hospital on Monday night after suffering a deep wound to his stomach when a knife in a bag he was carrying punctured his abdomen while he tried to open a gate to his property up there in the northeast of Victoria. So nasty one, but thankfully a happy ending came. A lot had to go wrong there, didn't it? The knife he was carrying... In a bag, and I read the knife was yeah in a in an actual some sort of plastic container as well. So it's pierced the container, pierced the bag, and then pierced him as he's gone to open a gate. So pretty unlucky, but uh, all's well that ends well for Stevie. Expected to make a full recovery, so our thoughts are with him. Uh, this morning, Pat Cummins has called for the change of the date of Australia Day, backing the decision not to use the term in marketing for the Brisbane Test. Cummins also spoke about the Glenn Maxwell incident saying cricketers are all adults and need to make their own decisions, or own, sorry, own their own decisions. We'll speak about Glenn Maxwell after 7 o'clock. And I reckon we'll speak about Pat Cummins too, just about the Quinella yesterday for him, because he was uh, opening up or, or launching some sort of climate initiative as well. So, geez, for those who didn't like the captain of the Australian Test team, that a few Did reasons. Did you see the response online yeah, for yeah. that? But you could have predicted it, couldn't you? It was like, cue the bogan outrage here, they're coming. And they did. Uh, Ash Barty, you were right on Ash Barty. Just had the wrong sport. Yes. Hold me to it. She's going to continue her career in top-level sport with I an appearance it. at golf's New Zealand Open, but no tennis open. I knew it. She's a golf Ash. open. Starting later next month, Ash was announced as a headliner, making her appearance as part of an ambassador lineup. She'll right be back. <laughs> She'll be back. Leighton Hewitt will be inducted into the Australian Tennis Hall of Fame in a special ceremony on Rod Laver Arena tonight. We should try and get him on. Absolutely. I mean, He's my man. He's your mate. He's, he's my man. We get him on. I feel bad because at least once a year I hit him up for an interview and I probably don't hit him up often enough just to ask him about other things. Yeah. Um, so I do feel bad. But we let, let's set a challenge to get Leighton on. He's one of my absolute favorites and what an honour and a well-deserved one that is the Tennis Hall of Fame for him tonight. Indeed. Be special at Rod Laver. And we've seen him uh, a lot at the Open, haven't we? Obviously with uh, Cruz Hewitt, his son, in the news a bit. And uh, him he's in a lot of the players. He's a good commentator too. Yeah. yeah. So he's been uh, front and centre there. Coco Goff uh, fought back from a losing position to defeat Marcia Kostiuk in a combative three sets yesterday. Novak Djokovic later on got the better of Taylor Fritz in a four-set match. And Arena Sabalenka made light work of Barbara Kretschkova in her quarter final. Um, yeah. Yannick Sinner, by the way, just marched on. Uh, he beat Andre Rublev, made short work of it, two straight yeah. sets. So he had always been pitched as Novak's greatest challenger, and it looks as though that's playing out that way. Spoke too. to BP yesterday. He, he was lauding his performance. He's a, a future star, but uh, we're going to unload, well, I am anyway, after 7 o'clock on the scheduling. 
Uh, it was a disaster yesterday. I mean, they did dodge a bullet with some of the matches going a little bit shorter than they could have gone, but yeah, they just haven't got it right. If you've got a thought, if you are there, did you watch the tennis until 1.25am last night? And how can they get it so horribly wrong? one three hundred seven three six seven three six. We'll take your calls on that. Soccero's That's top ridiculous the... time management on my behalf. Soccero's <laughs> top the group in the Asian Cup uh, overnight, but it was unconvincing. In fact, all three of their games have left a little bit to be desired, but the results are there. This was a one-all draw with Uzbekistan. They had a controversial penalty to thank for their goal uh, late in the first half. So probably a lack of clear-cut scoring opportunities, but they go on to the round of 16 and they've progressed uh, to the knockout stage as well. Um, you know, I've got something for you later as well. Oh, yes. I've got a second-year player who I think can be the game's best player. At, what, at the end of this year? Yeah, and it's not Nick Dacos. So at the end of their second year, they could be no, the best no, player no, in the game? No, in, in, in time, time, they have the potential to be the game's best player. What, I, what I've seen from this young man has, has blown me away, and it's... So he's coming into his second preseason. He's played one full season. If you want to have a guess at who that could be, uh, I want to discuss it with you after 7 o'clock. 0433981116. A little bit. I'm not going to guess. I could hazard a guess, but I'm going to, I'm going to hold. I'm going to hold. I'll get you to guess after 7. Okay, right. I'll draw up a little bit of a short list. Now, uh, all sorts of nominations coming through for your fight song. Uh, Fire Starter by The Prodigy. Uh, too much volcano by abroad in Japan. They're coming on, on, but this is what you're thi- this is what you're thinking yeah, of, Kane. Let's this- workshop this. Right. Just understated. Very nice little beat. Quite catchy. So I was watching True Detective, the first episode of that last night. And this is a good, this is good a show. good show. Mm. Good show. And that was the introduction song. I've always loved Billie Eilish. I think her story is incredible. I think it's her and her brother that do some pretty good things. I just think that's a nice beat to walk into. And it says that you're not expecting too much. Let's let that you're not expecting. You're not yeah. expecting fireworks. Right. You're, not, you're not sold on it. Um, no, I'm not sold on it, but I'll let it grow on me. I'm not going to cast judgment yet. <laughs> and I know what you're saying. I mean, you can't rock yeah. into the a song, well, we can't play either Tiger. Like, I'm not Rocky. Because right? if you go I've down in the first 30 seconds, <laughs> exactly. it's not going to be a good look, is it? Uh, Bunnings Trey can help you give back to work with amazing value on a huge range. A break on Breggy, right? Be back right after this. Step on the glass, step on your Breakfast on SEN. And they could never tear us apart. I don't know. I reckon that could... <laughs> if you came out like that, it could petrify him. Where did you find I don't that? know. Coxie's got a deep back catalogue. You know that. It's got gravitas. Uh, yeah. It's got intensity. It's got intimidation. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon he'd be quaking in the corner, in the blue corner. You need a nick And never tear us apart. What are the origins of that? Was that an ad break or something? Oh, uh, back what in the uh, SEN SA days with myself and Hazy. Uh, <laughs> he was quite a good musician. Yep. He used to bait me into singing songs. You were seduced sec- into that. He'd secretly record me in the ad breaks and <laughs> flick it over. And he had this whole 
thing. The Stashed. whole computer full of, of me singing. Hey, what about this in the NBA? The Boston Celtics have just sacked their coach. Now, you might go, okay, well, that, that happens from time to time uh, in American sport. But they're 30 and 13. What? Sorry, not the Bo- not the Milwaukee Bucks. Oh, the Milwaukee say. Bucks. Not, not, not the Boston Celtics. They're 30 and 13. What's and happened the Milwaukee then? Bucks have just fired Adrian Griffin. Their co- well, I don't know. I mean, whether I haven't read the, the backstory, there must be a reason behind it. But usually it's getting your star players offside. Yeah, he's falling out with the players. When it, when, it, when, it, when it comes to the NBA. Now, Doc Rivers is said to be one of the front runners to take that job. Of course, Doc did coach the Boston Celtics and then uh, went to Philly. Now he's doing some some good stuff for ESPN in the media. Um, so we'll wait and see what happens there. But that, that is that is ruthless. Well, someone Halfway just said... through the season. And they just came off a win over Detroit. Someone's tweeted, the Pistons are so bad that Adrian Griffin gets fired after winning a close game against them. <laughs> they got close. Quick sack him. But uh, that's extraordinary, isn't it? I, speaking of the NBA, Joel Embiid dropping 70. Was it 70 yesterday, I think? He dropped 70. In 36 in minutes. the first half. Yeah. yeah. And Carl anthony Towns dropped 62 or something like that. What a and day. then Kevin Durant, later in the day, he dropped 43 in a typical Kevin Durant performance and hit the match when it was an extraordinary day in the NBA. I just, I just wonder, though, like, these massive individual scores become the norm. Mm. It's like getting 30 touches in the AFL. It used to be actually good to mm. get 30 touches as a midfielder. Now everyone gets it. I hope it doesn't become that in, in the NBA with a three-point line and as many shots as they take, less time on the shot clock, more shots. But, yeah, he's him and um, Nikola Jokic, the favourite for the MVP once again. Uh, he won it last year. And just as we get to the break, um, just some developments on the Bucks front already from one of the NBA's chief newsbreakers, Shams Charania. He's reporting that Doc Rivers has emerged as a serious candidate to become the new head coach there. Uh, sources tell The Athletic. So one to keep an eye on if you're interested in the NBA and particularly uh, the fortunes of the Milwaukee Bucks. But that's extraordinary given the win-loss. Not sure we've seen many like that in the world of sport when the team's going as well as that. Uh, that the manager or the coach uh, pays the price. The 40 Wings Temper Text 043981116. The all new Temper Pro is out. It's the most adaptive mattress ever. Temper, a mattress like no other. There's so much to get to today, Kane. Okay? The Australian Open schedule, Glenn Maxwell, the comments um, uh, of the UFC boss, Dana White, as well on free speech. Australia Day. Uh, Daniel Laidley in the mix to be the new mm. Bulldogs AFLW coach as well. We haven't addressed yet. That's all ahead of us. Johnny Millman as well. Stuart McSwain, BP and questions without notice. Breakfast on SEN. Tony from Tullers dropped us a text, Kane. Uh, he says, in part, so people are bogans who disagree with the captain of Australian cricket, worrying about climate, worrying about politics, instead of worrying about maybe selecting a decent opener for the Australian cricket team. They're bogans now, are they, Sam? It's not about disagreeing with him that's the problem. It's the red rag that uh, and the flood of personal uh, attacks towards an individual that I can't cop, a lot of them abusive, that, and just reams of them. Well, I mean, it's one thing to disagree with him, but disagree with him. Don't don't send texts like you've sent here, Tony, that are personal and immature and um, and, and nasty. Yeah, that, that was the response yesterday. I think what he said was, was quite balanced, Pat Cummins, and of, of course he has to comment on it. He can't say no comment with the, the stand that yeah. Cricket Australia have taken on it. He's fronting the media. It's going to be the hottest topic. It is every year, every Australia Day, and it's... It's disappointing that we've become so divided in the lead up to Australia Day, and that has become the case in recent mm. years, and it seems to be more volcanic 
every year. I actually thought what what Pat said was was quite respectful and quite uh, empathetic and quite balanced in what he said yesterday. So you're right that the personal attacks were, were way off. And he was asked directly, so he had to answer. And and to Tony's point about worrying about cricket, well, I think he's doing a pretty good job, to be honest. If we're judging him on his cricket captaincy, then I'm not sure how you can possibly come up with any way to criticise him or the, or the, or the position of the Aussie team at the moment. Yep, uh, that's it. But you, of course, we'll give you your opportunity to respectfully have your say if you want to do that after 7 o'clock. There's heaps of things we're going to talk about. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 Yes, weather update for City Power as well this summer. Be prepared for extreme weather. Sign up for SMS outage alerts at unitedenergy.com.au slash notify. Melbourne today, headed for 28 degrees. Back after the news. Breakfast on SEN. We are a hamburger with a lot today. Welcome in, one and all. SEN Breakfast, Sam Edmund, Kane Corns, the McCafe menu, Johnny Millman, Stewie McSwain, Brett Phillips. Questions without notice. We're powered, of course, by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors, and land pride attachments. You can call us anytime. one 40 Wings Temper humming along. Not all of it in a positive mind either. 0433981116. But you get that when you get to polarising topics. Kane Corns. That's all ahead of us. You've got a hit list this morning of sorts that I'll tell you what, I'm just going to set you free on. And the Australian Open scheduling has been an issue for a number of years. Now, tournament organisers sought to find a way around that this year with a 15-day tournament starting on a Sunday up from the 14. Now, that was labelled a blatant cash grab by John McEnroe. Brett Phillips here on SEM Breakfast agreed with him, but it was supposedly going to solve these horrifically late finishes. Now, that all changed when Daniil Medvedev wrapped up play at 3.40am on Friday morning last week. We dodged a bullet last night, but it was still a 20-past-one finish. I guess the question I had last night before getting your text on what you wanted to talk about was, do professional tennis players put up with the most terrific scheduling in world (laughs) sport? In what other sport do they relatively consistently at Grand Slam level finish at 2, 3, 4.30 a.m. in the morning. Well, it doesn't happen at Wimbledon because there's a curfew. Um, And and why we can't do that here, still no one has told me why a curfew won't work when it works at Wimbledon. Now, their solution was to start a day early. That's That's done nothing other than help break some attendance records. Now, we'll move on in a week and we'll forget about this issue. We won't care about it until 12 months' time. But it is it's not right. And the warning signs were there when... Uh, Sabalenka didn't get on for her first round match until midnight. She's the reigning champion and no one was there to see her win her first round match. So welcome, welcome um, Sabalenka to, to back to the Australian Open. They just do stupid things like having a Legends doubles tournament start at 12 yesterday. Start that at nine in the morning if people want to get there early and watch that. They need the schedule to be continuous just, just to flow on. I mean, yeah. even we had... Novak Djokovic, and this was pointed out on, on social media, he wins his match. Now, the first game went for 15 minutes, and that was more than two hours after he was meant to start. And then he wins that match, and then he has a long-form interview with Nick Kyrgios on court after the match. And then we have we don't, we don't start the night session with there's two games still to go, so late. So yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know. Um, I mean, everyone seems to have had their say. Craig Tiley obviously has a lot to, to blame here. Clearly, there is there is money over the comfort 
and well, comfort of both the players and fans because no fan wants to stay until one twenty five last night when that match finished. And that easily could have been four in the morning, like Medvedev's third, uh, fourth round match, third round match, I should say, didn't finish until nearly 4am. Like, it's not fair on the players. It creates an unfair playing field for those that are rested versus those mm. that aren't when you already get short rest. So the solution is is there. Just make the play continuous throughout the day and have a curfew at 11 o'clock like the other tournaments have done. Imagine being Medvedev. So you finish at 3.40, you, you get in the locker room, you do your interview, you do your media, you do your warm down, you get back to the hotel at what? Five five thirty. You probably struggle to get to sleep at that hour as well. I mean, you're sleeping until well into. This is your one day off to recover. Yeah. You're sleeping well into the afternoon. Then you probably have to get back to sleep as well that night to, to play again the, the following day. It'd, it'd be as Mosa says here. Tennis players are the highest paid shift workers in the world. <laughs> well, he, so he would have got to bed by seven, and his next match, his fourth round match, was forty hours away. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's hard. That's the that's the recovery that he got, and when you're dealing with extreme weather and all of that. Now, look, it's not easy, particularly earlier on in the tournament. I get it when there's so many more players involved and a lot of matches that you have to schedule. It becomes much easier when you get to the quarterfinals, like last night, and there's only a select few games that you need to put on. Now, the ladies' match, the first one of the night session, they were offered to go to Margaret Court. They said, no, let's just wait and see how this, this Novak... Uh, game goes against mm. Fritz and we'll see how long it goes for. So they were definitely scrambling and they would have gone, oh no, Coco Golf, that match has gone too long. And Novak game, we're, we're in all sorts of trouble here. As you said in the opening, they dodged a bullet by the two night session games going a lot shorter than they possibly could have, like hours shorter than they could have. But let us know your thoughts. Were you there? What's been your experience at the Australian Open? I want to know the spectator experience because we get all the headlines and the Australian Open spruiking at record crowds and the happy tournament and all of that. But what has your experience been like and, and how could we do it better? A happy slam. Yesterday was a disgrace. That's when what I, they say. I used to when I used to cover for the Herald Sun, I was forever amazed. It's still the case. I think it is that they started at eleven. Like I always thought, why don't they start earlier? Why don't they start mm. in the peak of summer at nine thirty, ten o'clock? Because they're doing Not... doubles matches, legends doubles games. That's what they were doing yesterday. Not on all the courts. Surely they. Surely by this stage of the tournament, you can start them a little bit earlier. Oh, you yeah, can start them at saying. even at ten o'clock. Exactly right. So, what an hour would make a massive difference, would it not? Anyway, it's a, it's a it's a niche that a lot of us can't scratch, and a lot of people have their theories on it. Safe to say, it can't be easy. But uh, gee whiz, when you've got three and four a.m. finishes, that that that's a distinct disadvantage. And a lot was made over Novak playing day matches this year for the first time since forever. On last year's tournament, every single match he played up to the semis was it was I think it was a night match, seven of them straight. So the advantage that potentially comes with, with that as well when you're out of the heat. So there's all sorts of all sorts of conflicts that uh, that come with it. Um, Glenn Maxwell, um, the news out of Adelaide uh, over the weekend uh, came that caught all of our. Our eyes, not his first first rodeo, unfortunately, hospitalised. Um, had a big day over in Adelaide, followed by a big night. And the question you're asking is, well, why does it keep happening to a man who's well, 35 years of age? Well, well, well that's it, because he's so likeable, like, and he's so watchable. Like, so he's one of the most, if not the most, watchable Australian athletes. I've got him in the in the curios camp. Like, if he's on my TV at home, I'm drawn to that, and whatever else I'm doing is gone, and I'm watching. Glenn Maxwell bat, or I'm watching him field, or I'm watching him mic'd up through the BBL. I thought he was excellent, albeit the performance for his side wasn't there. So, But then I go, why does stupid things 
keep happening to Glenn Maxwell. Stupid things that don't happen to everyday adults. Like most, most adults would go through life and not have one of the things that has happened to Glenn Maxwell happen to them once in their life. And this just keeps happening for a 35-year-old professional athlete. And I guess something is clearly mm. not right with his personal life. I don't know what, what, what he's going through. And, and the Herald Sun have, have alluded to his relationship with alcohol and things like that. And then I look back and I go, well, did, did you really break your leg in the way that you said you broke your leg? Now, this is what you start to think when repeated things keep happening. You fall off a golf cart, you get concussed, you miss a game at the World Cup. Now, luckily, they escaped that and, and the performance overshadowed what could have been disastrous if they really needed him to play that game. And then this, like, like how many adults above the age of 35 pass out and need to go to hospital because they've drunk too much? Not many. Not, not many, and there's a couple, and I get alcoholism, and I get the issues that some people have had, but not many functioning adults at 35-year-olds, let alone professional sports stars mm. with the spotlight on them, drink that much that they pass out and need to go to hospital. So I don't know, I don't know, is because, he, yeah, it's just one of those ones where I, I look at him and go, he's got everything together when I see your bat and I see your talk, but perhaps he doesn't. This was Pat Cummins came when he was asked about his teammate Glenn Maxwell yesterday. We're all adults. Part of being an adult is, uh, yeah, you make your own decisions. And, um, yeah, I suppose in, in terms of this actual incident, you know, obviously wasn't on tour with Australia. was over there for a private event, so I wasn't with the cricket team. So um, it's a little bit different. Well, there you go. So that's him going as far bit, as he could go, Yeah, probably. a bit harder from Pat there. Uh, he, well, he wasn't on there. Australian duty. Uh, I know he's forever he representing his strength. No, well, he wasn't. He was in the company at, at times. Have you seen that there's a lot of yeah. his teammates were at this concert? Now, he started a golf day. I, I get that, and clearly that wasn't in the control of Cricket Australia, but he did, I'm assuming, meet up with teammates because there was a lot of others at this six-and-out concert. Pat yeah. just needed to be mm. a little bit firmer. But, yeah. but, I mean, he's, but he's 35. Like, I mean, yeah. he's not playing test cricket again. He's still going to play a bit of... Uh, short form career. Well, I mean, what can they do? Because he, you know, he could easily just go travel the world playing T20, and then we lose him for good if he's too hard on him. So I get it's not easy, but he went soft there. The, be- the best start to a story I read on the whole thing was though uh, former Aussie Test captain Michael Clark says he's worried about some of the details that have emerged. <laughs> about Michael Glenn Clark's Maxwell's- worried. <laughs> when I read that, I thought, geez, if one man, Carlos, <laughs> Carlos, not you, Carlos. <laughs> I thought, geez, if one man. Should stay away from this as a topic. It's probably Michael Clark. Not here to blame no. me. No, he wasn't here to blame me. He should probably be shouldering uh, arms to that topic, should he not? Goodness it's a, me. Like it's, a, it's a movement in time, isn't it, where uh, back in the day cricketers and uh, other sporting stars get away with stuff like this, but you, you can't now. I mean, the professionalism in the sport, the money in the sport, the scrutiny um, is now there that you actually yeah. have to be a full-time professional athlete and prepare yourself like that and... And this is what he hasn't done. A couple, I was scathing on him for falling off the back of a, a golf cart in the dark. I mean, let alone playing 36 holes of golf in the middle of a World Cup uh, in the heat and then falling off the back and concussing himself at the time. Like, How could you be so stupid to But he's what makes him so good. And he's, he yeah, blows I hot and that. cold. It's a, that sort of personality. I'm not, I'm not sure what the definition is for it, but I guess he's forever a risk taker, a, a boundary pusher. Is it a pusher? reason we haven't seen him? Uh, Maybe. Yeah, succeed. He's a rough diamond in red ball cricket. Like they might, maybe we've all won, we've all wondered like why hasn't he? I mean we've we've missed out. I see him 
And at the time, during the World Cup, when he was doing what he was doing, I was like, geez, we've been shortchanged not seeing this guy play test cricket. Maybe mm. we're getting all of those answers that we have been searching for by what has happened off the field um, with Glenn. So, yeah, it's a... It's a real confusing one. I want to talk to you about free speech on the other side of this break, the comments from Dana White, just in keeping with this whole uh, Australia Day uh, topic. A lot of people texting in on that as well, as you would expect. And also, can I have my first stab at your best, uh, your, your second year yes. players about to go on right to the now? Just, I'll just throw one at you because I saw him pop up on my socials this morning. Is it George Wardlaw? It's not George Wardlaw. Can I have one more go? Yeah. Is it Mitch Owens? It's not Mitch because oh. he's coming into his third season. Oh, he is too. His second. Oh, okay. Well, I've got a few others here. I've not done yet. I've got a list of five I don't know here. If I, you, get. I don't know if you'll get it. Okay. Does he play for West Coast? No. Okay. All right. We'll take a break. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm suitably intrigued now. Uh, we'll continue on the other side of this. Uh, Kane's got a, a youngster who's about to start his second year in the game who is destined, he thinks, to become the best player in the competition potential, in the future. Potential, potential. I mean, it's a, it's a big statement. I mean, it's hard to get to be the best player, but it has the potential to, in time, be the best or one of the best in the game. Brady off the text. Glenn Maxwell is a maverick. That's the term that uh, Brady is using. There you go. Uh, we'll take a break. Plenty more to come after this. Breakfast on SEN. Welcome back. Summer breakfast, Sam Edmund and Kane Corns. I've drawn up a new list of nominations for Kane's uh, they second year They got it out the back. They got it in one guess out well, the back. Because I, I thought of this guy and I thought he couldn't have bought into the hype. And I know it's been driven by a particular Instagram account, which I'm a big fan of, uh, Forgotten Stars. They've been trumpeting this kid for ages. I know he's got some supreme physical gifts. I just wasn't sure you would buy. You're talking about the Hawk Josh Weddle. I am. But to be the best, I think you have to be a centre forward player. So he has. So I say that he hasn't been that yet. So to be the, the game's best player, you need to do what uh, the likes of, I don't know, pick anyone. Uh, Pelly, Petrarca, Martin. Dustin Martin, Fife in his prime. You need to be at the coalface. Because I had Filippo to... written down here. I thought maybe he might have been. You know, he, 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 would be, he would be in the mix as well. I've got a couple of other names as well I'm really excited about. So, But just firstly on, on Weddle, he, what, what makes him special is the athletic ability mm. and the size. So if he can, in time, move that to the midfield. And you know, he's, he's similar size to, to Patrick Cripps, but he's better overhead. And he's got a bigger engine Quick. than Cripps. Doesn't have the physical... Uh, capabilities inside that Cripps has yet, but in time, you would think he gets that. Um, but he just looks to have everything that you want and all the tricks um, that you need to, to to do that. So they've got they traded up to get him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there was some some concerns about um, how physical he was going to be, but he, he's passed every test there. So Hawks fans should be excited by that. Um, I love I love Deconing. I've been you know, said twelve I've months got ago him that he, that he, that he yeah. could be a, a million dollar player, and uh, Carl were lucky to sign him for much less than that. He looks good too. If you've seen the ruck. summer photos of him, so yeah. Well, actually, here's a question without notice for you, an early one, because I'd have written down for later. Um, he was saying that he, I don't want to pigeonhole myself into any one position, but but shouldn't he? It, wouldn't it be in his best interest to pigeon himself in in a position? They look so much better when he's in the ruck 
I think. And then, then, then he can rest forward or he can go forward from the ruck position. Now, Pitnet, they've signed for four years. That, mm. that probably makes him a little bit obsolete, and that's okay. Everyone needs a, a, a decent backup ruckman. But DeConey's got to command that number one ruck spot and loved what he did in the last portion of the year and throughout the final. So he's one. I'm huge on Darcy, uh, of what Sam Darcy can be. So yeah. he's got the potential to to be that as well. Um, so a couple of really young players. I mean, DeConey's probably not that young anymore, but young in terms of games played. There's a couple of names to watch that have the potential to go into that elite, elite category. We're talking sort of top 10 players in the league but yeah what a pick from Hawthorne what it was yeah. I mean the couple, the couple of clubs have traded up with not a lot of success uh, they've done it with huge success and he solves a need for them across I mean he can play wing you can play back he can be an interceptor he can play on someone I hope in time they at least explore the option of giving him some some midfield time yep so 17 games last year came in round seven didn't miss I don't think thereafter so yep he's got some physical gifts that is for sure in fact a lot of the players coming in now they're just getting bigger stronger, more athletic. It's exciting where the game's going. Uh, Cricket Australia, as we know, are walking a delicate tightrope. That's probably the understatement of the year thus far when they sort of gently acknowledge, I guess, uh, Australia Day during the Gabba test. It won't be uh, officially called Australia Day in any of the marketing, of course, and Pat Cummins was asked about it yesterday. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's not new. Uh, I think this conversation um, kind of comes up every every. Yeah, every year really, and Cricket Australia has been pretty consistent over the last uh, four or five years in, in the way they approach it. Um, you know, my personal opinions is, uh, you know, I absolutely love Australia, I think it's the best country in the world by a mile, and I think we should have an Australia Day, but um, I think we can probably find a, a more appropriate day to, to celebrate it. So that's his opinion. Cricket Australia have been phasing it out for a while now, although the Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, urged the country to move past what he called outrage culture. I know a lot of people off the text. In fact, the majority uh, think it's ridiculous. We should be sticking with January 26 for Australia Day. Um, look, we, we won't get bogged down in the in the back and forth on it all, Kane. Uh, my simple take on it is that if there is a section of our community, our society that is so vehemently against the 26th, then why wouldn't we change it and try to find a date that we can all agree on? I know people um, have strong opinions on both sides of the fence, but surely we can pick a date that, you know, we might not all 100% agree on, but one that isn't offensive to a lot of people like January Yeah, 26. and that's my view as well. Like, choose a date that doesn't divide us all. Now, my, my eyes were opened up to this and the hurt that it caused by playing alongside of um, mm. a number of Indigenous players for a long period of time. Now, we used to – you don't get public holidays when you play AFL footy, so you train. You just you, – you train on Australia Day. And to see – the hurt and the pain in the teammates on that day, I was like, and then you'd, and then you'd talk to them about it and the harm and the distress that it causes them and their families. I go, well, mm. yeah, why, why wouldn't you change it? And we had some magnificent advocates. Paulie Vandenberg did incredible work educating us on, on why it is. Well, they don't just say it hurts. They tell us why it hurts. So to see that and, and the harm that it caused, completely opened my eyes and changed my perspective by learning through them. So the Daniel Pierce, salute him, one of my favourite teammates, explained to me, Daniel Motlop, um, Paulie Vandenberg, the Burgoynes, um, they all support changing the date. If it's good enough for them and some of our most special Australians, it's, it's good enough for me. So I thought the way that Pat answered that question 
it couldn't have been better. And I, and I get people disagree with that and, mm. and that's fine. And mm. you're absolutely happy to ha- have your side of it and happy to hear your thoughts. That's just ours this morning. I, I thought he handled himself pretty well. Yeah. The other part of it is it hasn't been January 26 forever. Like a lot of people assume only since then, only for the last 30 odd years, I think since 94 has January 26 been consistently marked by the public holiday. So it's been changed and it can be changed. Um, but it all comes back to free speech as Dana White would suggest uh, the boss of the UFC. This was quite extraordinary, Kane. This was an exchange between a reporter and the boss of the UFC, Dana White, uh, over uh, what he's prepared to let his fighters say after some pretty offensive remarks from a from a former champion. Now, th- this was this was the exchange. You obviously give a long leash to your fighters about you know what they can say when they are up there with a the UFC microphone, and you are getting into territory of homophobia, transphobia. Like, is there? I don't give anybody a leash. Well, I'm saying you a leash. I'm st- like free speech. Control when, what people say. Going to tell people what to believe. Going to tell people. I don't tell any other human being what to say, what to think, and there's no leashes on any of them. What is your question? I was asking that question. I'll move on, though. Yeah, uh, probably a good idea. You just, that's ridiculous to say I give somebody a leash. Free speech, brother. People can say whatever they want, and they can believe whatever they want. Safe to say he didn't like the term leash. Now, a lot of people will love hearing that this morning, I suspect. But, Kane, as an administrator, can you sit back and allow comments that might be racist, homophobic, uh, misogynistic, with sponsors in the corporate dollar all on the line on top? Well, I wouldn't have thought so. You can't. The, the thing that interests me, and I get the concept of it, and it sounds good until you just mentioned all of those examples there. So there needs to be accountability for those words and then people have to be made accountable for what they say so that that concept is fine but i, I was fascinated because because warren treadray who's going for the board teammate of mine best player i've played mm-hmm. with port adelaide premiership captain uh quote tweeted this and said boom as in like music to his ears kind of thing he's going for a board spot and a lot of people pointed out in response to that comment from from warren well what if one of your players goes on and says one of the examples that you've just said. That won't happen. And you can't let that happen as a footy club and you're on the board. So what are you going to do? So I think Warren will find himself in some tricky situations if that is his stand and he eventually ends up on the board of a a big football club here in, here in Australia. So yeah, it's, it is interesting times, but I think you you must be made accountable for those things that you say, and it's never going to be a free for all. The line really sits on when, I suppose, when does free speech become hateful speech? Oh, Mm. it's free speech, but it it can tip into the latter. So it's a bit like, it's a bit like the Margaret Court stuff, which is in the news a bit at the moment as well. She may or may not be at the Australian Open or, or what about the would be Essendon CEO, Andrew Thorburn? He was in the chair for 24 hours only because of his links to a church that condemned homosexuality and, and abortion. So Essendon couldn't sit by. In fact, they said that was in direct contradiction to the values mm. of an AFL club. So mm. they weren't willing to sit. That was his opinion. That was mm. his belief. That was his free speech. But it wasn't going to wash under the red and black banner. So what Warren's saying in theory is fine. But then in practice, if Connor Rosie comes out and says, you know, God knows what, yeah. then is he going to sit back and say, oh, Connor, good job, free speech? Is he going to go boom, like he said on Twitter, yes. to, in response to Dana White? So, 
Yeah. Um, well, I think we've answered that question, mm. haven't we? Oh, you can give us your take, though. Not, not going to last very long. <laughs> you can give us your take and ask that with some trepidation. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. The 40 Wings Temper, 433 The news is coming up. A reminder, though, next Monday, the Toyota Caller of the Year is back open again. It's your chance to win a 2024 Toyota Hilux GR Sport Get your hat, uh, get your ticket to throw it in the hat for the raffle come the end of the year. And it's all thanks to Toyota. There's a Toyota Hilux stock available now. Always contact your local Toyota dealer today. BP, not too far away from joining us, uh, Kane. Looking I've got a, um, an ally. So we had uh, Ricky Ponting on yesterday. Yes. And I was nervous because <laughs> I called him precious. How did it go? And I said he needed to toughen up after he was critical of the, the pitch in a BBL game earlier on in the campaign, I said, gee, these batsmen have become precious and I love it when the pitch does a little bit and adds something to the bowl. Anyway, he answered that question quite well. But um, an unusual ally I found in him with his take on Cam Green. Well, I mean, I think he's still got a long way to go with his batting. I think his bowling in Test cricket, I think, um, you know, has been pretty good. You know, to bowl the sort of pace that he bowls from the height that he does and then to be able to move the ball like he does, he's pretty impressive with the ball. Um, But... I think technically, batting-wise, he doesn't look to me yet like he's sort of worked out what the right rhythm and tempo is with, as far as his test batting is concerned. And, and and like we were talking about Bancroft, the only way that's going to change is by getting the exposure and getting him out there and making him learn uh, and in, in the heat of battle. So there's still there's definitely still definitely a work in progress. Uh, and um, you know the thing, he's quite a nervous young bloke as well, from all accounts. So, and you can, I reckon, you can see that by the way that he that he bats. It, it's a bit, it seems to be a very nervy sort of um, defensive-minded approach to his batting. Um, so, mm. but the more he plays, hopefully he can change that and free up his mind a little bit, and he can dominate Test cricket the way that he's dominated first-class cricket for the last few years for Western Australia. I was mocked, I was ridiculed, <laughs> I was slandered for my take some twelve months ago, mind you, on a certain program on this station by a certain Liam Pickering. Now I have one of the smartest cricket minds technically as an ally on Cam Green. This is unbelievable. What's unbelievable is what a revelation. What's exactly. unbelievable was that he called him precious and then he's come in and he's jumped into your side of the tent on the most polarizing figure in the Aussie cricket team at the moment. Extraordinary. Well, scene. he's not polarizing because everyone is. loves everyone loves him. Oh. I haven't heard one person question. No, the well, he's in, he's out. Where should he bat? Performances on. Oh, this guy's the most talented player we've seen <laughs> since Punter himself, and he bowls at one forty-five. And gee, what about his record in first-class cricket? The guy doesn't make runs. Oh, he doesn't take wickets. Hopefully I haven't given him gastro ahead of this uh, Gabba oh. test, and he can get out there and make some runs <laughs> against the West Indies. And he's nervous. Yeah, he that rang true to me actually yeah, watching his too. yeah, but you know, um that's it's more the potential that I think people are excited about Kane, but I know you want to see more and hopefully for for the benefit of us all, we will see more soon. What's happening with um Taron Thomas? Have you got, have you got any intel on where that? No, that so I see he's still tr- tr- training right. away from the club, more of the same as far as uh mm. allegations regarding behavior towards women and uh, it's been raised with the AFL integrity department again, so they've fielded a couple of complaints over the journey. So training away from the club is, is all I only know what I've absorbed over my break, Kane. Yeah, but it's another, what would you say, deeply concerning chapter in the troubled career so far of Taron Thomas. All right, another question without notice for you. Uh, the, the Western Bulldogs must only be hours away from releasing their review findings. We've got, a, we've got another week. What date is it? 
January 24, this started on November 13. They promised to inform their members of the review findings and we haven't heard boo. And the season's about to start. So we must, it must be today. Green Thomas Bulldogs. It's the Corns trifecta in the where space is, of three minutes. Where well, is the review findings? I, I, thought you the wanted the, I thought you wanted the doggies fined as well for lack of clarity on, on injuries well, what, then. Yeah, what do you think about that? That was very murky with Tim English. Yeah, well, a lot of that happened when they were on break, the football admin. Well, but I, you, can't, I, you can't release a statement you, whilst you're on you, a Christmas break. The internet doesn't work. You are preaching to the converted. I mean, with things like this, when a high-profile player is sitting out from trial, I don't know why you just wouldn't come out and say he's got migraines, unrelated to concussion, as it turns exactly. out, and then it stops the speculation. No we expect him back at training soon. Competitive benefit. So you agree with me? So should, yeah, they, on that should, front, there, be yeah. a, should there be a warning? No. No, I, I think we save that stuff for the season proper, do we not? Well, hang on. Did they have short-term, medium-term, or long-term next to his name? Well, no, they had nothing. We had <laughs> no, everyone had guessing nothing. about what the hell yeah. was wrong with Tim English, and it happened before Christmas, and we found out two days ago what actually was yeah. wrong with him after everyone was guessing. Now, yeah, and that's It why. is a grey area yeah. because it's pre-season and not in-season, but the AFL said they were cracking down on it, and they haven't, and they should. Yeah, I, th- I think we saved that one for the home and away. But yeah, I think it would have solved a lot of issues if they just came out and said that that's what the issue was. Are we gonna I'm talk a all big things- Western Bulldogs guy. Oh, big. We're going to talk at the Australian Open. Well, I still regret that lot of support for Kane Cornscott. Can we have that erased? Uh, Brett Phillips is going to join us. He's the SEN tennis expert. Of course, he is. he's on the other side. A lot of support for Kane Corns. Breakfast on SEN. Kane, let's talk some tennis because Novak Djokovic, Yannick Sinner, Coco Goff, Arena Sabalenka, they all advanced at the back end of a long Tuesday at the Australian Open. She was another late night. Could have been later. They dodged a bullet late on, and I reckon this man was thankful for that, although he's pretty good at going the distance. We know that. He's the SEN tennis guru, Brett Phillips. BP, welcome. Uh, good morning. Welcome back, Simi. Yeah, long night. Uh, long <laughs> night, you're right. We uh, were thinking as the day was progressing that this could be a 4am job and uh, yeah, the last two matches. Uh, courtesy, thanks to probably Arena Sabalenka, continuing to be in devastating form. Uh, sort of got things back onto a respectable schedule last night. Now, she, she did the right thing on the court, but it's been reported as well in the wee hours of the morning, BP, that... Uh, Organisers actually asked her if she would be willing to move her match w- with Barbara to to Margaret Court, and they and they refused. Now I'm assuming they asked the men as well, and it was a, a play it by ear approach. But the women said, "No, no, we're, we're sticking with Rod Laver." Yeah, that certainly came out in the the aftermath, and uh, obviously they were, they were really worried, uh, particularly with the you know the Fritz uh, Djokovic match. You already had Coco go what three hours and eight minutes uh, during the day after they decided to put a Legends doubles, which just totally baffled me. Um, considering we were starting the day uh, later, uh, that has been scrapped uh, from today's uh, quarterfinal uh, schedule. Right. And, yeah, they were worried. It was going to be a really really late finish. Um, so yeah, luckily you know Fritz and and Djokovic didn't go to five, which meant that they do such a quick turnaround on Rod Laver Arena. In fact, the players were introduced as you know, only about a quarter of the spectators are in the stadium. So, um, But I think, you know, those players, obviously, at that level, love to play on the main court and mm. wanted to, um, yeah, wanted to stick with that. What's the discussion amongst the players and the media there, BP? Like, is it is it embarrassing level? Is it is it farcical or, or not quite that drastic? Oh, not, not quite... Uh, 
not quite that drastic. Um, I mean, this is always the uncertainty of tennis, isn't it? I mean, you, just, you, you start the match and you just don't know how the day's going to unfold uh, after that. I mean, we just get these sort of extraordinary days where you have, you know, back-to-back long, long matches and it pushes everything back. But, you know, I mean, the whole theory this year was let's just never have the night session start late. So mm. let's schedule one less match. And they put on a Legends doubles mm. at 12 o'clock, which pushed Coco's match back to one. Now, I would have thought, you know, by the time we get to quarterfinal stage, the calibre of matches are better. Uh, so there's going to be some longer matches, not going to be a 6-1, 6-2 type uh, job at the quarters, which means um, let's just stick with the two matches. So we don't start the night session two hours late as we did last night. But it, it just, you know, to get two matches back-to-back during the day like that, you know, we haven't seen that for a while. So... It's so unpredictable. Sinner was commanding as well, just over two and a half hours to win through. Now, I'm jumping the gun of today's action, I get it, but one of the semifinals has been decided. He'll take on Novak uh, on Friday. Now, you're a big Sinner fan, and, and Novak doesn't look his best. I'm not sure if he's foxing BP, whether he always <laughs> does this, whether he's acting and playing it up a little bit and sucking us all in, but is it as good a shot for Yannick as he's had? No doubt. Kane, yeah, I mean, he's tennis, uh, when you're up close where we are, and just to, you know, watch him in the flesh up close, he's not a lot of of meat on the bones, but tall, rangy, the way he just uh, defends out of the corners, there's a lot of, there's actually some Djokovic in Sinner, the way he defends and then sets up the attack, he's just timing the ball so well, his backhand is absolutely world-class. And he's just become so sure of his game. I mean, just look, I'm just looking at him, you know, his eyes up close when he's out on court and there's a there's such a, a sense of surety about what he's doing out there and a level of confidence. He's got a really good, solid team behind him. And, yeah, he's ready. He's, he's certainly ready, I think, to strike and win a major this year, whether it's here or at some stage. Uh, you know, he and Alcaraz are just hungry for now, the right now. So, yeah, look, an absolute chance... Uh, Djokovic, another you know day uh, semi-final. It'll be the day from what about two thirty on uh, Friday. And it, look, you know he's he's beaten Djokovic a couple of times at two a level. Took him to five at Wimbledon uh, a couple of years ago, where he led two sets to love. So I think there'll be an inner confidence that if he can, if he just gives everything at his end, he is certainly a big chance. Now, BP Kane says you're a cinnamon. I reckon you're an Alcaraz man. Yeah, so both. I want to talk. I want to talk today's quarters, particularly that one against. Alexander Zverev, which is the night match. And then you got her catch and, and Medvedev uh, up in the Arvo. Well, uh, Zverev is a fascinating one for me that, um, you know, he's he's still so keen not to be forgotten about. And we shouldn't forget about him. I mean, he was the best of the young crop before all these guys uh, came on board and sort of overtook him. And then he got the injury, which set him back. But he's done a mighty job. Uh, big Sasha to rise back to the top 10. Um, you know, put put aside the off-court stuff that's uh, going on. He's a formidable uh, force out there. But, you know, Alcaraz, I think, will just be too, you know, dynamic. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Alcaraz, I suppose I've adopted first and then Sinner's come in <laughs> underneath and the two of us are just playing such a great level of tennis. Uh, so I'm absolutely backing Carlos to continue his run. And, yeah, Medvedev, her catch is really interesting. I mean, Daniil's got the runs on the board in Melbourne, a couple of finals here and... He'll be tough uh, to beat, but her catch, he's improving all the time. I think his breakthrough is going to come to get to a Grand Slam final at some point. But, yeah, Medvedev is a hard quarter. I think wins that one in a real battle. That could go, you know, four or five sets. What are you making of the women? Obviously, we've got to, like the men, we've got a semi-final locked in there uh, tomorrow. Goff and Sabalenka, but a pair of quarterfinals uh, in store today, of course. 
Yeah, this is the side of the draw which has uh, just been hugely mm. unpredictable. Mm. Uh, look, Diana Yastrzemska, love the way she's playing. You know, she's a former world number 21, so she is getting back to that sort of form. Um, you know, take out the uh, the Q in brackets next to her name. She's a much better player than a qualifier. So I think she gets the job done there. And yeah, Jinwing Zhang of China, she's a star. So um, she's my certainly favourite to get through to the final on that side of the draw. And, you know, she's going to be uh, competing for trophies for uh, many years to come. Uh, we're only just getting started with her career. So I think that is probably the likely semi-final. And then uh, out of that pair, an unheralded finalist, uh, which you know, is good. I mean, this tournament sometimes does unearth um, a future star. Mm. We've seen that in the past on the honour roll. Getting down to it now, BP, the business, and we love it. Uh, thanks for mm. getting up early and joining us once again after another another late one. Hopefully one of the latest we'll have for the remainder of the tournament for your sake, mate. Thanks again. No, pleasure. Thanks, guys. Uh, BP there, our Wilson Australian Open update. Get your game on and join us in celebrating the Wilson Summer of Tennis. Now, the, the Australian Open isn't an event that, I would lose sleep over. Like, it's not an event I would set my alarm to in the middle of the night and, and watch it, unless yep. it was Leighton Hewitt in a final or, or an Aussie that I love. What did you wake up for as a kid? Like, did you, was oh. there an event that you, you did set your alarm for and were prepared to get up for? I mean, you're, you're, the, you're the tour guy now, yep. the tour de France. You'll start late for that, won't you? Tour every year. Every year. Uh, every year. I try to go the disc, especially the mountain stages, which are defining. Uh, the Ashes as a kid. Over yeah. there, always got up and um, up on the beanbag as a kid. And in my teens and early 20s and late 20s, definitely some soccer games, soccer some games. Chelsea games, some big Champions League finals I'd get up super early for um, for the drama of the World Game and World Cup, of course. The World Soccer-oos. Cup, yeah. You're World always World watching Cup the Socceroos and the, and the Tillies. And the, see, the, I loved the Olympics as a kid. I, if it was in a different time zone, set your alarm and, and get up for the Olympics. It doesn't quite have the same No, because the coverage is so Olympics. good now. Like, you can watch it all yeah, the next exactly. day straight up. But, um, yeah. yeah, certainly the tour, uh, staying up late for that. What are you prepared to stay up for in the middle of the night? And did you stay up until one thirty last night to watch the Australian Open 0433 I reckon. I reckon golf gets a few up and keeps yeah. them up as well. Not my bag, but uh, certainly for a lot of people. 40 Wings Temper Text 0433981116. The most adaptive mattress ever is the all-new Temper Pro. Temper, they make mattresses like no other. Breakfast on SEN. Oh, Rick says as a young bloke, my old man used to wake me up to watch the boxing. Jeff Fennick, <laughs> Lester Ellis, loved it. Uh, Bill, good. the FA Cup final. Rodney, the Olympics in Barcelona. A lot of FIFA World Cups. Masters and the British Open uh, getting up. Uh, a lot of a lot of golf fans saying, uh, and even non-golf. I get up for the Masters at Augusta. Not a huge golf fan, but Augusta. Different gravy coming through off the text volcano. It is. It is. Prestige, isn't it? That event. And a lot That's... of people saying Adam Scott uh, made it all the more worthwhile after all the Aussies choking over the years and getting up to watch them. And uh, how many Aussies has gone to the Masters this year? Really? Graham, Graham's going, yeah. Cornsy's very, gone to the Masters. Very, he's going, yeah, very jealous of that. Wow. Is that a bucket been, list item for him? He's, yeah, it would be. He's been to the Super Bowl and had a spare ticket and didn't offer it. This is back when the Giants won, I'm going to say 2011, but I could be wrong. Got on the field after that game, had a spare ticket, offered it to a friend of his before offering it to either Chad or I. And I've never, ever forgiven him. And now he's 
off to the Masters without us again. So, uh, father Let's of keep the year. On, eh? There's something going horribly wrong there. <laughs> something going horribly wrong. 2001 Wimbledon final. How could I forget? I stayed up for that. That was Ivan Isovic oh, defeating our yes. Paddy Rafter. It was 9-7 in the heartbreaking. fifth. breaking. That was great. You just he couldn't turn it off. He serving aces and he wanted the ball back after he served yeah, the aces. That's so it. annoying. You could not turn it off. My goodness, that was tense viewing that 2001 Wimbledon championship final. Uh, we'll take a break for the news. Johnny Millman is on the other side. Breakfast on SEN. Just a couple of leftover texts here, Kane. What you used to get up early to watch as a kid or set the alarm for? Harry, Black Caviar, Royal Ascot. What about the Rage video clips? People saying they used to go to watch the Rage video clips when they used to drop. Uh, Dean in Ascot Vale, first time I ever got up early was the America's Cup. What about what about the footy marathon? Speaking of things that aren't really around yeah. anymore, that used to be a religion as well the annually. Not before the grand. Not before the granny. The, so the, the great grand finals. The you know 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and on it went. It I was wonder... a weird um, superstition, wasn't it, from Goran when he served an ace and, and then demanded the ball, the ball back. back? Yeah. I wonder if this man ever did that when he was red hot on the surf. I reckon he might have. I don't know if he's a superstitious type, though. He's well and truly settled into his new life, doing a great job behind the microphone, of course, for Channel 9. Johnny Millman's back with us. G'day, Johnny. Thanks for your time. Not a problem. Thanks for having me again. Did you ever demand the same ball back if you're on a hot streak with the surf? Yeah, I didn't serve too many aces, mate, <laughs> so that was the problem. <laughs> well, maybe that was it. Yeah, no, yeah, so I tried to get a different ball, I reckon. What are your, we've been reliving a few of those earlier years, Pat Rafters getting a mention in 2001. Oh. What are your earliest tennis memories, John, and what made you fall in love with the sport? Um, oh, my earliest tennis memories were were going along to the courts and getting the first 15 minutes before my sisters all got their hour. <laughs> so, yeah, I was playing second fiddle to them for a while. But my favourite sporting memory was my earliest uh, match where I can remember being there live was that Davis Cup where we beat the Russians on the potato patch at, at, uh, in Brisbane. And Wayne Arthur and Leighton Hewitt's heroics. It was awesome beating the Russians. And I remember Nuke having the fanatics throw the potatoes out on the, on the court at the end and him jumping on top of them. It was theatrics. It was what sport's all about. So, so, John, were you very much a fan before you realised, oh, I might have something here where I can make a... A career out of it? Were you a were you a, a diehard fan? Would you be setting the alarm to watch, you know, Wimbledon finals and such? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. And and obviously, being a Queenslander, we just loved Paddy Rafter. Like he was the hero for all mm. Queensland tennis players, young Queensland tennis players at the time. In the summer, you know, you'd be playing tournaments out at Coops. I remember playing one out at Coops Castle Dine, and Paddy Rafter came and was hitting there and all the kids lining up trying to get everything signed from him like he was the hero for any aspiring tennis player I just didn't play like him because I didn't venture into the net so I probably could have learned a few things from Paddy yeah, I that... probably I tried to be a bit more like Leighton but um, yeah Paddy Rafter was our hero so I think we all idolised him and um, yeah look it was it was the sport and, and, and back then in those days I don't know I think it's probably a little bit different now we seem to be outside, all the kids. We, we were outside and we were, we were kicking the footy or, or hitting mm. tennis balls or whatnot. Like, it was just a good time to be alive. We've all had our say on the on the scheduling fiasco yesterday. John, what, what could we be doing better? 
Oh, I don't know if we can. I was calling that second match, actually, the Novak Djokovic-Fritz one. So I was thinking we're going to get an early night because I, I thought I was in the day session. End up being prime time for, for, for Novak. We are all questioning whether he'd like to play in the day. And in the end, he was playing well in the well past his 7 o'clock third time slot. Um, look, it's, it's sport, isn't it? Like, you can't predict live sport. You can't predict uh, Coco Golf and Marta Costa going for for three and a bit hours. It's just a real challenge. I think um, we're going to have to live with it. Some days it's going to be like that. But clearly the Legends doubles could have been sacrificed as they have been t- today, I suppose. And I don't know. Hindsight's a wonderful thing, but we, we can start earlier perhaps. Yeah, no, you're right there. Yeah, the the Legends doubles maybe could have been put onto a different court. Um, Marcos, you know, he loves playing on center court. Marcos baked at it. <laughs> yes. That's it. Between that and stalactites, there he's two homes away from home. Yeah, exactly. And, and I'll tell you who also you'll find at stalactites is Salty. He doesn't stop talking about it in the commentary box. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a good joint. Right. Very good joint. Yeah, you know he, that? Yeah, he, he tries to always drop it in there. I think they're giving him <laughs> some free gear. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, um, Novak is um, he's acting up a little bit. Not not last year he sort of had the hammy. This Foxing, year, Foxing. what do they want? Is a bit of discomfort, a bit of bit of illness, perhaps. Is it mind games though? Oh, I don't know. I mean, he did look second rate at the start from the very first point, and we're lucky because being in the bunker when you're calling that match, you're really close to the action, um, including the love fest he had with uh, Nick mm, Kyrgios in the yeah. bunker next door. That's <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it probably was a little bit, but uh, but yeah, no, he did look second rate. But as the match went on, he did get better. Um, I do think that if he is feeling a bit average, he will appreciate the later time slots. But we've seen this happen with Novak before. Over the course of the two weeks, he seems to come good at the latter stages. He was super impressive in those back ends of those two sets. Like he he hardly made a mistake in those last two sets. So he came really good. But he'll have to be in good health to, to beat Yannick Sinner in that next one because Yannick is absolutely flying, hasn't dropped a set yet, um, and he'll have to come out really sharp, will Novak. Just with Novak, obviously going for a fifth in six years and an 11th overall or whatever crazy number that it is. I mean, we are waiting for that, you know, I guess that someone next generation talent to really come along and, and, and every year this time we, we speculate who it might be. Is it going to be Yannick or is it going to be Carlos this year, do you think, John? I mean, who's the most likely? Yeah, look, that is a really tough one. I think Yannick's probably playing his career best form, but there's that unknown with him. You know, can he break through and make a final of a Grand Slam? Can he knock off someone like a Novak in the semifinals? That's the unknown. He's playing good enough tennis too. Well, Carlos has been there and done it. You know, obviously beat Novak in the final of that Wimbledon, which was a ridiculous uh, match. And, And Carlos is super impressive. He goes about his business. He's super confident out there, can do a bit of everything. Both of them can definitely knock off Novak, but it's still on Novak's terms a little bit. I think Novak will have to be slightly less than 100% out there, um, whether that's health-wise or whether he just has a slightly off day, because he's so dominant here at Melbourne Park. And people are waiting for him to drop off. And, you know, we're, we're waiting for his demise as he's getting a bit older and we start questioning him. But he still won three of the four Grand Slams last year. So he is in really good form. Um, yeah, look... It, 
it's going to happen at some stage, but we're talking about probably the greatest ever to play the game. Yeah. Uh, John, I just want you to pick your racket back up for a moment. Just go briefly back in time with us. I mean, what's it like when you – I don't know if you ever copped a really late finish and then had to back it up, but post-match, I mean, what, what's the process? How much time does it take to finally, you know, go through all the media obligations, do what you need to do physically, get back to yeah. your hotel, um, calm yourself down, get to sleep? I mean, it must be – Really tough. As someone texted in earlier saying you're the most well-paid shift workers in the world. But they, they, these are brutal schedules, particularly around, uh, you know, Grand Slams. Yeah, definitely. I, I take myself back to US Open, round of 16. I, I had the night slot against um, Roger Federer. I ended up getting up in in that win. I can't remember, recall exactly when, you know, we shook hands, but it was well past midnight. You know, we're talking, you know, one in between one and two, I think, from memory, or about one o'clock. So after that, though, you have to do your recovery. So that takes another hour, I would say, minimum, Mm. if you're going, like, really quickly. Then you've got your media commitments. By the time you get to the media and you answer all those questions, probably another hour. So all of a sudden, it's about three o'clock, at the minimum, before you're getting home. And this is from a one o'clock finish. And then by the time you get back, this was in New York, so it's about a you know forty minute commute to get to Manhattan. Um, by the time you get to sleep, it's it's four o'clock, you know four thirty. So it takes a good from when you shake hands at least probably three three and a bit hours. Those top guys are really streamlined in their process though because they've done it so many times. They have it like clockwork, so they're a little bit quicker, I would say, um, to do that. But but then what didn't help me is I was up two and a half hours later because I had to do my fantasy football draft um, that morning. So, yeah, probably not the best preparation going in to play Novak Djokovic uh, a day and a half later. Hang on. And we cannot let That's that commitment. slide. We cannot let that slide. When you say fantasy football, what football are we talking firstly? Oh, NFL. Yeah, right. no, that was the NFL. So and, you... and my league had pushed it back as far as it could go because I think I don't know, that, there was a, a Sunday game or whatever to, to kick the season off. And, hang on. You know, that was on Saturday, so I had to, I had to get my priorities straight, mate. Oh, so hang on, hang on. You've just beaten Roger Federer at the US Open. you got Novak coming up. You couldn't have just got someone to do the draft. I mean, I know they're high stakes and we get, we get particular around fantasy football. You couldn't have just let, shouldered arms to that one, you don't reckon? That would be unprofessional, mate. <laughs> and I'm uh, all about being professional. Fair enough. What about your nutrition during a game? We saw the conditions were really yep. tough yesterday and, and hot. Coco Golf said after the match, gee, I love her. She's, she's so impressive what she does on the court, but the mm. way she speaks as well. She said her secret weapon is fruit salad with a bit of apple sauce. Well, what was it for you? <laughs> my, my sisters all have nieces and I have all nieces and nephews. And the fruit salad, I was just thinking wiggles the whole time after that. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, for me, look, mate, cacao nibs. I always used to have some cacao nibs on the side of the court. Um, I like the bananas, the energy gels. Like, we're not reinventing the wheel here. Um, Every now and again, you know, you'll you'll have an espresso to kind of get you going Mm. before you get out there. But, look, I never found cramp was much of a problem for me. Obviously, those guys that lose a lot of of salt in their sweat and and sweat a lot. We saw problems with Pat Rafter back in the day and, and whatnot, but... Those guys obviously have to look after it a little bit more. But, yeah, you can kind of feel it when you're low on energy, suck back a few gels. Like, uh, I didn't try to reinvent the wheel, and that's probably, um, 
again, you know, why I probably could have done a bit better. Well, you've just educated us there a bit. You reinvented our wheel because I don't think Kane and I, uh, either of us had heard of cacao nibs before, Johnny. Yeah, it's vegan superfood, mate. I'm not a vegan, but it is a vegan superfood. Yeah, I've right. been told. <laughs> I'm familiar with cacao, but I haven't seen the nibs. There you go. Small pieces of crushed cacao beans, Kano. Um, there you go. Speaking of things that uh, are looking good, Arena Sabalenka, the defending champ, made light work of it yesterday, Johnny. Yeah, she's looking fantastic and super relaxed. We've seen all the footage um, around the grounds of her. She seems to be in a good place with the team. No signs of, of nerves whatsoever. She's got to be the favourite now. It's her or, or Coco would be the favourite. Obviously, they're on the same half of the draw, but you have to give the edge to the defending champion. She's in impressive form. The most amount of games she's dropped in one set this tournament has been three. So, yeah, I mean, she's she going about a business and doesn't look like she's going to falter at any time soon. Mm. John, great to talk to you, mate. Appreciate your time. And look... We were amazed by your commitment to the uh, NFL fantasy draft, but you might have just been trumped by a texter here saying, I did my fantasy draft this year while my wife was in labour. So there you go. <laughs> no, that's good from him. And I respect that. I respect the hell out of that. It's <laughs> a high risk. High risk. I'm not sure the reward is there, but great to talk to you, Johnny. Appreciate your time as always. Thanks, guys. See you. Yeah, uh, player two, Channel 9 commentator, John Milman. I was doing my uh, NFL fantasy draft, the SEN one, and it was, it was happening. I was just doing it on my phone, and I had to go through security at the airport from, it was like oh, Tuesday no. morning after footy classified from Melbourne to Adelaide, and just as it's my pick, I had to put my phone through the security thing and, and miss the pick, and I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm using that as an excuse as to why Nick, Nick won the, the fantasy draft, uh, the NFL season, fantasy football season at SCN. He had a terrific season, but I'm using that as an excuse. Fair excuse. What about Aaron. that? That's unbelievable. Oh, right. It's time now. That is incredible. I can't believe he would do that two and a half oh. hours later. That, that, that is the peak of your singles career and you're playing NFL fantasy. Two hours sleep. Two hours sleep. Time now for this man though. Breakfast on SCN. Welcome back, Sam Edmund, Kane Corns with you up until nine o'clock. Great to be here. Maybe some questions with our notice while we got a window uh, before Stuart McSwain's going to join us, Australian runner, middle distance star. What did you make of the news that uh, Danny Laidley, Danny Laidley was uh, on the shortlist at a couple of clubs regarding AFLW coaching vacancies, Kane? Not necessarily surprised. I, I guess the, the question is, has the work been done to get yourself in a position where you could be the head coach of an AFLW side? Like what I'd like to know what education um, Danny has done since she's been a head coach and um, you know, the way that the development that has gone into that, the personal development, I should say, I would think it's premature would be my initial thought. So the resume, the resume wouldn't hold her in good stead. No, I just think it's been too too long. It It was my thoughts with James Hurd. Like, I don't know, it's the AFLW program, so it's a lesser commitment than what James Herb was trying to do. But you're out of the game for so long. Come back through a lesser role. Don't just come back as the head coach of the Bombers after 10 years. Come back and do what Michael Voss did. Be a development coach, then be a line coach, work in Mm. leadership, sit in the box, sit on the bench and develop yourself personally before just putting your hand up and say, all right, I'm ready. Clearly, I've done it clearly she's been thinking about it for a while because I think it was with us on SEN last yeah, year. Said it a couple she of times. Met, yeah, yeah. On the record of saying it's something that she would want to do. So clearly the motivation is there. It's not a, a you know, I just think through a lesser role and mm. really work 
your way back up through the program and then in a year or two or three, be ready to then really launch yourself in with the ability to have success in a head coaching role would, would be my, uh, was my first thought yesterday mm. as I saw mm. it. A lot of vacancies though I see in, uh, in the AFLW as well. Hey, I wonder what you thought of this and whether this was harsh. Obviously this had been in the news for a while, but it's about to become reality for our Olympians over in Paris uh, it's a divisive new ruling approved by the Australian Olympic Committee that uh, athletes have to leave the athletes' village 48 hours after their last event. So are our Olympians being denied the chance to enjoy their success or let their hair down in, in what is said to be one of the most amazing environments, the athletes' village, after the most demanding lead-up to anything? Four years of blood, sweat and tears to get to your event and you pack your bags and you boot it out 48 hours later. We'll ask our next guest, Stuart McSwain, because he will be going to the Olympics. Can't believe it's only six months away. It seems harsh, doesn't it? But are they, but then I guess logistically, how you fit all these athletes in? Well, I don't think it's a from fitting all concern. Of, it's it's yeah. actually I think the AOC are all about protecting the athletes who haven't performed in their. And event that's yet. fine, isn't it? Because you'd be you'd be in absolute party mode if you are say oh, yeah. the first event of the Olympics. Well, the you swimmers, have some success. the swimmers are the example, right? But yeah. I feel for the swimmers because they miss the opening ceremony because their <laughs> events are straight after. Then they miss the closing ceremony and they get booted out 48 and they, they bring home they the bulk of their medals. Stay in. Nah, Paris. not the same. The, not they, the same. They don't have to be in your, your little shared nah, not the bedroom same. in the Olympics. You've got to be in nah, the dorm. Like, You've got to be on school nah, camp. Two, two days is plenty. You've got to protect the sleep of the athletes who have trained for four years to get themselves into this position. Uh, Nick Kyrgios is a commentator, yes or no? Well, I prefer him playing, so no, no Same. right now. Like, I prefer well, him playing. He's in the he's in his prime, isn't he? I'm just not sure what he can give as a commentator. I don't necessarily want to read Nick Kyrgios's thoughts on tennis because I I don't think he has that much to offer. Like I don't think he's a great tennis mind, and he's not going to give us pearls of wisdom in his column that I think he's writing. For the age or the or the Herald Sun, and certainly his on court interview with with Novak was cringeworthy. Well, let's, well, do, let's they, do. they hate each they hate each other, and now they're hugging it out. Let's have a listen. Mm. So Novak, I never thought I'd be here. By the way, doing this on court interview, well done. You know, you're gunning for an eleventh title here. So what what keeps you going right now? Yeah, I need a mic. Thanks, man. <laughs> good to see you, man. Great to see you. Looking good in that booth, but looking better here. Hopefully with a racket also soon. Um, yeah. We miss Nick. Come on, guys. Show him some love. Yeah. Yeah, I know that was good sport, but, but it's cringeworthy. If Nick Kyrgios is not playing, I don't think we need to see or read his commentary on tennis. I just, well, don't, can, think he ha- I just yes, don't think he has that much to offer. That's our view, but you can see why the broadcaster or the newspapers would, would pay for his opinion. because you think people, they're getting value for money? Uh, well, no, but I think there's a, there, enough people will be willing to, to stay tuned to hear what he says next, I reckon, at the moment. There'd be a, a novelty factor for a mm. short burst like the Australian Open, for sure. When's Ongoing? the last time Nick Kyrgios has said something? Goes, wow, that was insightful. Oh, no, potentially not. But when was the last time he said something controversial? All the time. Yeah, but you got to subscribe to OnlyFans to get that now. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. John's, oh boy. John's, John's in Mill Park. Hi, Johnny. 
Morning, gents. I hope you're well, Sam. But, uh, Kane, I have to disagree with you totally there, mate. I mean, have you listened to him uh, commentate or you've just taken that interview as your... Uh, the way of criticising. No, I've read. No, I've read some of his. I've read some of his columns. Uh, I've observed his commentary for the last ten years on things relating to tennis. And if I was going to take someone's advice on tennis, he would be the last person because he gives up when things get tough, and he relies on his natural ability to win his games, not any tactical nous that he can provide or any insight that he can give me on how to push yourself on a tennis court. But this is this is not about him playing. This is about him commentating a game, giving so insights. Think, yeah. In, in actual fact, in actual fact, I reckon he's better than Leighton Hewitt, your love child, much better. Yeah, no, I, I disagree with that. I think the work that Leighton Hewitt has done as a coach of the Australian Davis Cup side and the success that he's had with nine players now inside the top hundred are Aussies. I think, uh, mm. in part, due to Leighton Hewitt's insight and his coaching ability, whereas, whereas Nick, look, I, I really love watching him play. It's not a knock on that because I love the talent. I think he's one of Australia's most watchable athletes, as I've said, but he relies on natural talent, not through any tennis smarts or any tactics or any insights that he can give me as, as a commentator. We, we saw that with the interview last night with Novak. Thanks for calling, nonetheless, uh, Johnny. Great to have you on the line. Uh, if you want to join him, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. We're powered by Kubota here. You can take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors, and Land Pride attachments. Off the text here, why don't they separate the athletes' village? One part uh, those mm. who are competing, and the other one for those who have competed. Like you move into the other side of the resort, if you don't mind, Kanji. She'd be lonely when you're the well, first it's like to move you in. at your house this week <laughs> yes. in the separate bedroom. It's pretty quiet. I'm not sure if you have just completed the hundred meter free and then you jump in the other side of the resort. You've got the pool all to yourself. I don't. I don't know if there's going to be much fun over there. I think they're there for the atmosphere, to be honest. But it's an idea nonetheless. Uh, we've got a Signet Boost power bank to give away, valued at forty four ninety five. They keep your phone tablet and earbuds powered 24-7. Nathan's got the news headlines back in a moment. Tell you what, a lot of support coming in for Nick Kyrgios in the commentary box, Kane. A lot of people loving his work. I'd still prefer to see him out on the court, but if he is behind the mic, people loving what he's offering at the moment. They like they like the insights. Okay. Oh, everyone's got their, their, everyone's got their opinion. I just don't think um, he's going to give us much or doesn't give us much from the commentary box. Um versus on the court where he just relies on natural talent to win games, not anything he does tactically or any insights that he's given us. wonder what David thinks. He's out in ball. And morning to you, Dave. Yeah, g'day, boys. Um, look, I'm, I'm with Kano here. How, how can you take a fellow's commentary to, to be insightful, technical, or, you know, a, a, you know, good analysis of the game? A bloke that does not have a coach, does not have a fitness uh a fitness coach or a, or a tennis coach. He's an inter- Nick's, Nick's great, but he's an entertainer. He's yeah. not a mm. pure tennis player. So for me, and that fellow that said that he's, a, he's more insightful than Leighton Hewitt, mate, <laughs> he's kidding himself. He's kidding himself. Yeah, and even if that is true, David, he's there for entertainment. Well, that's fine too. Like, that's what I'm getting at. I mean... It, it, he can be there for other reasons. As long as people are listening and wondering what he's going to say next, then it's box ticked for me. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see whether they have found that the return on the investment mm. is there. I mean, every article that he's written, he's gotten the number of clicks next to it. Like yeah. How many people There's are a fascination, reading his articles and how many are subscribing to the platform to read his articles? All, all those metrics would be there. A little bit harder on on TV with ratings because there's a lot that goes into the, to the recipe for TV ratings and he's a small part of that. 
but certainly his articles would be there for all to see the success, how much they're paying him versus the subscriptions and the clicks would be there for them to judge. Just a quick question for you before we break for Stuart McSwain on the other side. I'm not sure if you discussed this, so pull me up if you did, but was Justin Lepich spotted at Carlton's open training session and it got a bit of traction too, a bad look? I mean, what what don't don't clubs do this all the time? Now, he was spotted at Icon Park watching the Blues run around, I think, last week. Who said it's a bad look? Well, they've got also... Oh, what do they think? What, it's it's pre-season. What, what would they gain? Why are they... And then there was, oh, they're worried. They're looking over their shoulder. So perhaps the question is, are Collingwood worried that the Blues are coming at them? No, I just think they're professional. <laughs> exactly. I just think they're doing... We, see, old coaches used to be paranoid about the opposition watching us train. Now, it's a, it's a small... Everyone knows the way that Carl want to play. Everyone knows the way that Collingwood want to play. But you get some small insights into what they're working on. I just would have thought that's a professional outfit. You, you're right, though. We, we don't hear about the backlash anymore. Remember when people used, used to... to be paranoid. Who was the Melbourne opposition analyst who used to dress up as the builder <laughs> out at uh, Waverley there and Clarko fired up a couple of times? You get them dressing up and all sorts of weird and wonderful spies in different get-ups. used to black out the netting at Albany. Like, it used to be full black sheets so you couldn't see through the barbed wire. Not barbed wire, but the You wire can get fence. in there, though, can't you now? Well, yeah, everyone, you should be able to. I mean, it should just be an open facility. Um, Teams now, with their redevelopments, have made it a community facility. Like Collingwood, you can walk past and and watch them train. For anything that is secretive, they've all got these massive indoor arenas now. You can work on your walkthroughs and your Mm. strategy indoors, away from prying eyes. But I just think the ability for fans to go and watch training whenever they want outweighs the fact that an opposition scout may get a glimpse of the training that you're doing. But no no criticism for Collingwood and, and Justin Leppich for doing that. That's just doing your job. And one other last one. I'm not saying the Pies don't win the flag this year, but we've all been guilty of this. Is reigning Premier looking sharp and hungry and therefore sending ominous warnings to the comp, the annual headline at this time of the year? Because I saw it. I saw it. And I love Cav Mooney, but I saw it come out of Collywood. They're looking ominous. Look out. And we were guilty of this. We, oh, I got sucked in last we year. We both uh, did, didn't we? So Cam Mooney on the run home said, I've uh, got someone that I trust at Collingwood <laughs> very, very much. He said he hasn't seen a group come back after a premiership as good as this. Yeah, I swear we read that 12 months, every 12 months. Every tw- I mean, they're hard to win. Yeah. Back-to-back premierships are hard to win. Uh, is there any level of satisfaction at the Pies? We'll wait and see. But, yeah, I, I got sucked in with, with Geelong last year and probably not going to do it again this year. The sleep, the sleeping giant is the Lions on what they've done and the way that they've built their squad. Talented list. Yep. Yeah. So to call of the years back, so give us a buzz. We've got a uh, Signa Boost power bank to give away as well. It starts next Monday. You can win a 2024 Toyota Hilux GR Sport. Toyota Hilux stock is available now. Contact your local Toyota dealer today. Breakfast on SEN. Well, we're headed for an athletic showdown at next month's Mori Plant Meet here in Melbourne with the John Landy Mile set to play host to some of the biggest names in the sport from right across the globe. Olympic finalist Stuart McSwain will be here and he joins us on the line. Stu, welcome and thanks a lot for your time. No, thanks a lot for having me, guys. And yeah, obviously pretty excited to not be too far away from the Mori Plant Meet. So um, it's coming around quick, so excited yeah, a couple of weeks away, so it's exciting times for athletics. Not far away in the calendar, but you're far away from us. Where have this? Where's this final phase of your preparation taken you? Yeah, so I'm currently up training at Altitude in Falls Creek, just getting 
getting ready for a Murray plant. So I'm um, putting some good weeks of training away up here. So hopefully that will hold me in good stead for Feb 15. What's it look like, King? What's the, what's the training day at Falls Creek look like? Uh, it's pretty big. I think today, um, probably about 16 Ks in the morning and then another 8 K tonight and possibly get in the gym in mid-Arvo. So, um, yeah, it's pretty full on this time of year, just trying to build a big base for the upcoming domestic season and then obviously the European season as well. What's the facilities like there? I mean, there's a whole heap of athletes up there. It's this time of year where you all go there. The coffee facilities, recovery, just paint us a picture if you can. Yeah, it's a pretty cool place. Obviously, it's quieter during summer season up here. So it's there's a lot of runners up here, um, and we kind of mix in with the locals. But, yeah, it's an awesome place to get away and train. You kind of can just focus a lot more than what you can in the city, and then you obviously have the, the physical benefits of the altitude as well. So, um, yeah, hopefully that holds us in pretty good stead. How are you going? You faced some, some illness and some uh, injury issues last year, but came good late, broke the 2,000-metre Australian record, if you don't mind. 248, I think you ran for, sorry, 448 for, for 2K, Stewie. But how's the body and, and how's the health? Yeah, I'm uh, in good nick. Everything's going well for this time of year. I think, um, yeah, as you mentioned last year, I had a couple of, couple of little niggles, especially coming into the European season. So um, it's not nice if you're, you're kind of up against it physically, but any athlete, you're going to have years you go through that. So um, I finished the year strong last year, and I'm, um, yeah, confident that I'm in a good position um, for this time of year. Olympic qualifying uh, in full swing at the moment, only six months away. Who are some of the Aussie runners that we need to watch in the lead-up to the Olympics? I mean, the, the female marathon runners are on a tear, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. I think, uh, as you mentioned, the, the Athletics Australia girls are dominating at the moment. I think not only in the, the marathon, um, in most track events, we're dominating the field in the women's as well. So um, exciting times. But yeah, in the men, I think pretty much every event, we've got some good hopefuls. So hopefully we'll have people in every event. So yeah, I think we're going to have a pretty good team leading up towards Paris. Now this John Landy mile though, Stu, they're coming from everywhere for this. I mean, we've got... Peter Bowles signed on yourself. I know Jake Wyman's obviously going to be there, uh, the world champion over 1,500 metres from 2022, and several others as well. I mean, this is going to be a hotly contested event. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. Obviously, having Pete um, in the mile is going to be cool as well. Um, Test out where his fitness is at. Mm. But, um, yeah, having the 2022 world champion, Jake Wyman, coming down and racing in Australia is going to be exciting for us Aussie guys to see where our fitness is at. And obviously, you never want to lose to a Brit if you can. So, especially if they're coming to our home country. So, we'll be ready to go to try and make it pretty hard for him. <laughs> what um what event? Is, I mean, the fifteen hundred you've probably specialised in, but it can be anything from that up into ten k. Uh, what have you got your eyes set on for the Olympics? Yeah, so I think the the main focus is the the fifteen hundred. But I'm also going to hopefully try and qualify for the five k as well because I think the Paris timetable allows you to do the double. I think the five k is after the fifteen hundred. So. Um, ultimately, if I have a good season, I'd like to try and do both. Um, but yeah, I've still got to, to get the 5K time. So I'll hopefully try and knock that off in Europe and then, yeah, give my chance, self a chance to hopefully do two, two events in Paris. Now, Stu, mm. I've spent just over the last 10 or 12 years, for various reasons, a bit of time in Launceston, your old uh, hometown. And I'm, I'm hoping you can shed some light on this. I mean, there's obviously something in the water down there. For a small city, if I can even call it that, it produces the most extraordinary number of Olympians, of Tour de France cyclists, of athletes of all shapes and sizes. Why is it so? I mean, you're one of many. It's just extraordinary down there. Yeah, I think we're lucky in Tassie. Obviously, we've got beautiful training facilities. Um, the air is probably a little bit cleaner um, and just a huge sporting culture. So I think over the years, we've just had amazing athletes, especially in endurance events. Yeah. We've just seen the cycling pad. We've got some runners. We've got some great triathletes. So 
um, yeah, I think it's a lot comes down to the culture and then obviously the facilities as well. And I think when you have good people and good events, it kind of motivates and kind of inspires the next gen as well. Happy with the Saints off season and the way they're looking? <laughs> yeah, I'm hopeful. I think um, we showed last year, I think we bunched some play finals. We did pretty well. So um, I think Ross has the boys going well. So I'm, I'm excited. Um, I think hopefully we can stay healthy and we can uh, yeah, put in a bit another big season. Good on you, Stuart. Great to talk to you, mate. Uh, good luck, obviously, for, for next month down here at Lakeside Stadium and a massive year for you, of course, to say the least. So good luck with the preparations. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, boys. Stuart McSwain there, training currently for the February 15th Morrow Plant event. You want to get along to that, the 1500. Uh, racing in that against Jake Whiteman, 2022 world champ. That is shaping up as a who's who in that event. It's a premier invitational high-performance athletics meet annually held in Melbourne is the Morrow Plant meet. Um, so going to be big, Kane. Yep, the king of King Island, 16Ks for breakfast and uh, 8Ks for afternoon tea this yeah. afternoon. Uh, article in The Age just uh, dropped from John Perrick, who is speaking about the new rules in relation to media access to AFL players. Now, according to he, Richmond superstar Dustin Martin, is unlikely to grant interview requests despite this new rule, which threatens a $10,000 fine for players who repeatedly refuse to speak to the manager. Now, we know that uh, Dustin Martin's high-profile agent is Ralph Carr. He says, I would think he will not do anything uh, said Carr, who handles most requests for Dustin Martin. What, what does the AFL do? So what? Fine then. Bang. Yeah, you have to. You have <laughs> to take a hard. This is my thoughts on the Tim English situation. You're going to crack down on something. You have to. You have to crack down on it. And I would think that if Dustin Martin repeatedly gets fined ten thousand bucks, he will soon start speaking to the media. Well, right, let's now, take a let's take a break. We might let's just try to right. clarify this, Kay. We'll take a break. I'll leave ourselves a little bit of room on the other side. Don't miss your chance, by the way, to become a trailblazer. Have your name on the first ever Mavs game day dress. You can become a member today. Head to melbournemavericks.com.